welcome to Name Redacted Podcast, the podcast about redacted, redacted oh, insert later. Oh, we're talking about redacted, huh? <laughs> this, well, is right. the, this is well. the Chris Benoit. Uh, <laughs> we, we are following the career of Chris Benoit. Immediately, everybody turns it off. Oh, the God. two people that tuned in. No. No. Let um, me tell you, do I'm we Bert. have some Chris Benoit facts for you? <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, Anthony Benoit. Chris Benoit. This is Anthony. <laughs> this is Anthony Benoit. I'm Bert Benoit. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk about how uh, we escaped and uh, <laughs> are still alive and well. <laughs> I think I broke Anthony right at the beginning of the show. So, uh, no. <laughs> we yeah, we got away. The, the crippling cr- clutches. Uh, oh, oh, I no. hate this. I hate this, actually. All right. <laughs> okay, uh, start over. Uh, what's that, Nancy? What did you say? No. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Hush uh, from the peanut gallery. <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyway. No. What we, we do here. <laughs> now that we've set the worst possible first impression, uh, we're here to talk about Japanese pro wrestling, or as the Japanese call it, or actually as Americans call it, pro resu. Uh, they don't say it with that pronunciation. Uh, I think in an anime they'd say it like pro resu, like that. And then they punch heard you it pronounced pura resu. Uh, like. Definitely. Should not be pronounced. Maybe Matt Stryker does that. Uh, <laughs> but I did take. I did take. As, where's as where's a, Matt Stryker to give us the the history? <laughs> oh God! You want to hear about fucking Luthez or what? Oh, uh, graphic content. Uh, I'm gonna say the fuck word. But um, yeah. no, uh, Matt Stryker sucks. Tangent, and also um, he's acceptable sometimes. Yeah, no, he's fine. I liked his his gimmick. Yeah, yeah um, it's a good gimmick. Not so, not such a fan of his trunks, but you know. Yeah. Um, but because I'm a nerd who likes visual novels, um, I did actually take a few Japanese lessons, and the way the vowels work, it would be prores, um, like that. Gotcha. But also, there are probably thousands of Japanese people listening going this fucking gaijin can't pronounce anything he's shut the fuck up so our i will do that legions of fans in japan <laughs> our right legions now. of fans who are only listening because they don't know about chris benoit um i oh, didn't call no. him <laughs> i didn't call him wild pegasus now they have turned it off and uh was it wild pegasus is that right pegasus we'll get kid. there next episode <laughs> <laughs> in our so, all wild pegasus special <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh no what we do this is the longest way around this that i'll have to edit horribly no it's fine we are um fans of wrestling um and we'll actually talk about each other's experiences i guess uh in a little bit of a side tangent but um we wanted to explore ajpw probably njpw Maybe a little bit of of war, ah, oh, wrestling yeah. and wrestling. romance, yeah, yeah, which is an excellent name. Uh, maybe some Noah from here to there, and uh, a lot of Joshi, hopefully. So we mm-hmm. wanted to get into all this stuff because, and we'll get into our experiences. Uh, and and at least in my terms, it's pretty limited. I know about a lot of stuff, but we want to go back and watch some of this stuff and review it and see what we think. Yeah, like, uh, I've been going back for 
squad a little bit now, uh, just checking out random matches and stuff, uh, like Minami Toyota's, you know, one that like really sticks out to me. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think it's very interesting to see, you know, we're, we're, you know, watching the current product and stuff right now and like see where things came from because already in this show that we just watched, like I see a lot of like moves and mannerisms that like, you know, the attitude, you know, people from the attitude era were copying, like, you know, this time in wrestling, the early, you know, the late eighties, early nineties in Japanese pro wrestling is like the blueprint for the modern day product. And I think that that is a very interesting place. And plus I've always enjoyed the Japanese, uh, wrestlers whenever they would come over and do shows for like WCW and stuff. And, you know, I'm a little bit more versed because, uh, Bert, have you ever heard of a little thing called tape trading? I am a very big Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan. So, yes, uh, keep circulating the tapes. You were trading for those rare, rare uh, Craig T. Nelson tapes. For the folks at home, uh, our our lovable Benoit fans who have stuck with us, uh, I am old. And uh, I'm going mm. to posit that my my pal Anthony is also somewhat old. So yes, I do. I have heard tell of these video cassette tapes. I have heard word of these things. Uh, I do not have any. Um, well, I mean, aside from the show we just watched, which of course I procured legally from wrestling, oh, absolutely from World Wrestling Entertainment. You know, merchandise uh, legally. Because <laughs> we are watching uh, WWF, AJPW, NJPW Wrestling Summit from 1990. A show I had no idea existed. I did not know this second existed. I saw the card, like my eyes lit up like it was Christmas. Yes. Now, before we get into the show, but uh, you, you had mentioned, you had asked about tape trading. Were you doing that in the 90s slash 2000s? Uh, you better believe yeah so uh (laughs) yeah i um was doing tape trading with uh several of extended family i have Mm -hmm. no idea how they got some of these tapes but you know i managed to get like seven or eight tapes and you know a few of like the modern product at the time so mm-hmm. this was like when Mick Foley was uh as dude love fighting Stone Cold. You know, that's the uh time frame. I think that's like ninety eight, I wanna say, ninety seven. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So what it was is um my cousin married this fella who knew a dude who knew a dude who got wow. tapes. And so I, through that connection, like, got several, like, just Japanese shows with all Japanese commentary, all Japanese kanji, no context, and Mm -hmm. holy crap. Now, some of the people I would, I I recognized and stuff like that, like, you know, the Great Muda would come on. Uh, I saw Great Muda and Arn Anderson back in the day. It, this was actually Stop. on uh, TBS, uh, the NWA Power Hour, uh, whenever they wow. wrestled each other for the uh, television title during Arn Anderson's run. I got, like, various different 
Japanese wrestlers that I was, you know, familiar with. Uh, and then, you know, WCW at the time or a little bit before that was doing a talent exchange with uh, Sonny Ono's uh, group. Um, yes. And so got, you know, a good bit of exposure, got to see the great Muda some more. And, you know, that's my level of, you know, Japanese wrestling involvement. So I've always loved it. Uh, and back then it was like just super hard to procure. Like I only ever got my, mm-hmm. got a hold of like eight tapes. Um, yeah. But. It was very formative. Gotcha. One of the few times that Sonny Ono got to do some actually authentic stuff and not be a racist caricature. Um, <laughs> he uh, did but, have that camera. Well, you know. Back, I mean, there's several times on this show. Uh, I See, well, we'll get into it later. But um, we'll get into that later. Uh, my experience with Japanese wrestling is around... When I got, so I got back into wrestling. I was, you know, a fan as a kid. I was a fan as a little kid. I was a big warrior mark. And Mm -hmm. then, um, Natch. Uh, and then I, you know, fell out like everybody else did when everybody stopped watching. Whenever he opened um, the doors, Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Yeah, that's when I stopped. No, uh, no, I stopped watching when like Doink the Clown was running around and all that nonsense. So, uh, you know, new generation. Nobody was watching back then. Uh, maybe you were. I don't know. Maybe you were marking out for Big Big Daddy Diesel. I don't know. I was not. Uh, <laughs> Big Daddy Diesel. <laughs> yeah, the Diesel versus Mabel, the classic dream match. Uh, no. Um. So I got back into it in the Attitude Era, like everybody else did. You'll notice a trend here. Uh, I stopped watching again around two thousand two, two thousand one. Oh. Okay. It was after Austin turned heel. After WrestleMania X7 and uh, trips really around Reign of Terror times, I would say I stopped watching because <laughs> I fuck that. Uh, and then um, I got back into it in 2012 strictly because I had missed the Summer of Punk, but I had heard about it. And I was like, this actually rules. And Daniel Bryan was wrestling at the time. So mm-hmm. literally, mm-hmm. it was like, whoa, wait a minute, wrestling's good. Now, I lasted till. When was Jinder Mahal champion? <laughs> <laughs> twenty sixteen. Sixteen. Like okay, that's like that's like three and a half, four years. I lasted. I was like, okay, uh, this this really goes. Hey, wow, this went down in quality quickly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's around when I stopped. Roman Reigns. It really wasn't. Listen, if Jinder Mahal, if you're listening, uh, you're not. <laughs> I don't know. He's got but, a lot of free time lately. <laughs> I didn't stop watching because of you, Gender. It's not your fault. That the show was bad. They hot shotted a championship onto you for very dumb reasons, and Roman was running around at the time making everyone's life miserable as a babyface. So the whole show was aside from the women was very rough around that time so yep yep uh that was probably around when becky was champion too after wrestlemania and uh stuff kind of went downhill for the women too so (laughs) yes um so uh what did we say 2016 yep that sounds right so then i fell out until last year because aw happened (laughs) 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 they had happened a while before but uh, it probably a confluence of COVID and uh, so being locked in all the time with nothing to do and the fact that, oh, holy shit, all this good wrestling is happening. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, it, it helped that I was streaming the show every week. <laughs> yes. So um, around probably the, the second to last period when before gender, 
uh, and Roman and all that business. I got the network when it was the glorious nine ninety nine surcharge, and um, and uh, mm-hmm. I started watching old shows. And I think I had told you uh, one of the first shows I wanted to watch was SummerSlam '94. Okay, uh, the classic Taker versus Taker main event. That's oh, why I wanted geez. to watch. No, that's, that's not why I wanted to watch. I wanted to watch because Owen and Brett had the awesome cage match. Yeah. I was going by Dave Meltzer's star ratings. Feel free to make fun of me, Twitter users and online people. I don't care. They're good matches. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that was on the list. It was one of the early American five-star matches I could watch after like Steamboat, Flair, Shytown Rumble and stuff like that. So one of the first matches on this card was Bull Nakano versus Alundra Blaze. Oh. I had no idea who either of these people were. I learned later that Alundra Blaze was Medusa, which still honestly doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but um, that's what <laughs> happened. And uh, Bull Nakano, uh, listeners or viewers, if you have never seen Bull Nakano or experienced Bull Nakano, uh, oh. An- Anthony or whoever's editing will put up a, a giant picture of Bull Nakano. Um, but uh, for the for the listeners, uh, she has like she has long hair that's gelled straight up and dyed blue. She has blue like crack slash lightning lines made up all over her face, and she looks like she will eat you. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean that as a pejorative. She looks fucking awesome. Like she will, like she will murder your children. And she, let's see. I believe she did a top rope leg drop, and she put Alundra Blaze, this t- much tinier white meat baby face, in an octopus stretch, which oh. I had literally a standing octopus, where you pull back like the arms or whatever, and uh, I was like this is the most awesome thing that ever happened why have mm-hmm. i never heard about this why was she not like if i was a man i'd be like oh god damn it sign her right now but uh she's probably wow. she was wow wow <laughs> wow uh, yeah hey. oh wow uh but the answer to that is she was huge in japan shirt mm-hmm. in wcw but i was not privy to all this uh, I also watched Calgary Stampede with Sasuke versus Tachi Michinoku. All this stuff around the time, I was like, wow, uh, Japanese wrestling seems really incredibly cool. And then I think I saw Wrestle Kingdom. So I'm Nakamura. And. Gotcha. Styles, I want to say. That would have been I like. I think it was Nakamura versus Styles. 2014. Yes. That was the first time I saw an actual New Japan show. And wow, that's a good way to start. Yeah. Uh, Then I saw, obviously, all the Omega Okada stuff. And then it was like, oh, God, this is insane. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had heard tell of all this AJPW stuff, the Four Pillars, the uh, King's Road, the... You hear about it in whispers, you know, in the the community. It's like, oh, you like this stuff. Have you ever heard of Japanese wrestling? <laughs> right. But my concept of Japanese wrestling was limited Joshi and guys from Japan that worked in America, 2010 era wrestle, uh, New Japan stuff, which is not, as, as far as my knowledge goes, is not Four Pillars King's Road stuff. That is... No, different it is, it is early, early 90s um, yeah. is the King's Road. Early 90s to probably 
97, 98. I could be wrong on that, but you know, it was a vast era in wrestling where you will see the blueprints of the modern style of wrestling in the King's road. And it is one of the most amazing evolutions to even think about. Well, that is a good kickoff because this show, we wanted to do this show because this is WWF AJPW NJPW Wrestling Summit from April 13th, 1990 in the Tokyo Dome slash Egg Dome uh, <laughs> for 53,742 spectators. Now, looking this up, I first of all, we wanted to watch this because the card, uh, which we'll get into later, but basically... If you wanted to watch big WWF stars fight big Japanese stars, this is the show that you want to watch. Yeah. And the big thing is, after this show, WWF never worked with AJPW or NJPW like ever again. Ever. (laughs) And AJPW never really worked. Well, they did work with NJPW, but not for a very, very long time. They were rivals. Yeah, which, to my knowledge. Like, to my knowledge, like, at least with AJPW and NJPW, like, they actually viewed each other as, like, a rival in the sense of, like, you know, we're in competition and. Yeah, we won't necessarily uh, work together, but there was still a mutual respect. But apparently, Mm -hmm. like, this show from behind the scenes, like, ruined all the goodwill that, like, Antonio Inoki had for, you know, Vince McMahon Sr. And then his, you know, son who now owned everything. Apparently, this was a shattering time for everyone involved because the thing is in the in the 80s all of Mm -hmm. the you know hogan era stars and everything none of them wanted to lose and none of them would ever lose it was always bullshit weird stuff and egos are flying around and now you're actually like throwing yourself in a different country with different wrestlers and different egos and yeah i can see where everyone walked away from the table pissed off we will get to a specific match on this card where I had this exact thought about mm-hmm. that being an issue. But I will go through the card really quick. Now, uh, the two dark matches, which you cannot find anywhere, and we did not watch for this reason, are Dan Crawford, Doug Furness, and Joe Malenko defeated Samson Fuyuki, Tatsumi Kitahara, and Toshiaki Kawada in a six-man tag team match in 11 minutes and 56 seconds, which honestly sounds pretty incredible, but we couldn't watch it. The second dark match, this is a dark match, (sighs) is Jushin Thunder Liger defeating Akira Nogami in a singles match for 8 minutes, 37 seconds. There is a handheld version of it on a camera. I didn't watch it because (laughs) I respect respect Liger too much to... uh, to, to watch it in that form, but also yeah, I don't no, think there's we, another video. We have to it. view his art in the best possible light. <laughs> I'm sure it was amazing. Apparently, there's a there's a famous photo of Vince McMahon behind Jushin Thunder Liger pointing him to the ring, and it's from this match. Oh um, wow! But yeah, but we couldn't watch it, and they're dark matches anyway. Yeah. Um, and also, as you will see as a trend during the show, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger, a uh, Japanese defeated Akira Nogama Japanese, which means 
there is no way it would wind up on this show because it doesn't have no, a big no one's American gonna know, star. No one's going to know who that is, pal. Uh, yeah, exactly. So the first match that we watched for the show was Ooh. Jimmy Snuka and Tito Santana versus Kenta Kobashi and Masanobu Fuchi in a tag team match. And when I saw this, I was like, oh, and this uh-huh. is a because there was a murderer in the ring, right? Because yeah. there was this brutal. <laughs> yeah. uh, as a trend in our podcast, speaking of Chris uh, Benoit, we focus on the murderers of wrestling. <laughs> Getting started off to a great start with uh, with Jimmy Super Just Murder Snooker. <laughs> Super uh, Murder. MDK. You know. <laughs> King of I the tell you, match, brother, Jimmy MDK on the island all day. I didn't expect him to come out with the pizza cutter, but he did. Um, but no. Uh, no, why were you? Was it was it because of Snuka that you were freaked out, or was it just um one Tito? Uh, Tito is yes. one of my childhood all time faves. Uh, <laughs> famously just done wrong in the WWE over and over again. Like he should have been a, just a, a sensation. He like almost got to that point. Um, and yeah, like, uh, famously just a super nice guy. Um, and I mean, he was just the coolest treated, but- treated racistly during the end of his El Matador gimmick. Uh, and the flying Here, here's, burrito here. elbow or whatever the fuck they called it. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say, do you remember what Gorilla yeah. Monsoon called his fucking finisher yeah, all the time? fucking Heenan or, or Ventura would be on his side. He's like, oh, he's selling oranges or whatever the fuck oh, they'd be talking God. about. I'd be like, oh, I'm jumping bean and shit. And it was horrible. And the thing is, I believe we've had a conversation about Tito Santina, uh, Tito Santina, Santana, Santina, Santana before, and... Uh, up to this show, I would have argued because my recollection of Tito Santana was like, I mean, he was good in, I think he was in Strike Force, which mm. we'll get into a little later too. Because I think that was with Rick, it was either Rick Martell or Rob Zink. I can't, I confuse the two at that period. But they were good. But anytime Tito was, was on his own, I was like, mm, because he jobbed all the time. Um, and he did not work like he did in this match. When oh, I saw him in this match, work. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, this guy's really good. Oh, mm-hmm. they did they just did not let him work like this because he's wrestling uh, Ted. I don't know who the fuck Jim Duggan or something. I don't know who the fuck Tito is wrestling in fucking WWF, but it was not Kenta Kobashi and Masanobu Fuji because she's. Like, this is a young, strapping, just graduated from young boy status, Kenta Kobashi. Like, he is, he is in the, he just came out of the oven and he's not quite done yet. He needs to rest for a little bit. (laughs) Yes. Now, the first thing I need to bring up, the show started, the tape started. There's Japanese text. There's Japanese commentators. I don't know who it is yet. And Danger Zone starts playing. <laughs> oh my god! Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, holy shit! What amazing! Holy, like, what they, are we watching? 
they did not give a shit about copyrighted music during this thing, and I love to, it. To this show's great benefit, because we will get into some other things. But Danger Zone starts playing. Uh, Jimmy Snook... No, wait. Yeah, no, that was Jimmy Snook and Tito Santana's team music. No, no, like, no. Oh. That was uh, Kenta Kobashi and Masanobu Fuchi's music. We'll oh, you're right. You're right. Tito Santana and Jimmy Snooker right. came out to Snooker's music. Uh, which okay, was, it was Snooker's uh, music because I have I have weird tribal AOR music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's quote unquote traditional uh, Hawaiian music, which he's anyway um with like and saxophone and with music, saxophone yeah. and a little bit of like dirty bass <laughs> yes yes so referee i don't yeah. know if you saw this yep okay it's shane mcmahon is the referee for this match which oh is hilarious god uh i know he refereed at like um WrestleMania 9, I think, he was a referee. He he did referee around this time. That was, like, two years later. But it was very... He'd be, like, a... He'd be on the side, like, at the timekeeper's table and stuff. But nobody knew who he was, so... Yeah, and, like, the the thing is, the first time I watched it without that context, and I didn't even notice. And so, like, Shane did a good job as a referee because I barely noticed him. And that he is... He hops around, he- yeah, yeah, he hops around, but I mean, I, I think a referee's greatest accomplishment in the ring is if they are not a detriment, like, if someone, as long as someone watching doesn't go, gee, that ref's doing some weird shit. <laughs> yeah, if it was Shane McMahon, and we could barely tell, that tells you he did his job, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's Shane McMahon wrestling, I can fucking tell. Uh, refereeing pretty hard to even notice, and he's definitely better than uh, God, who who was fucking RVD's manager? Oh, uh, ref- Fonzie, Fonzie, Bill he, Alfonso. he refed it. He also refed it at WrestleMania Nine, and he's pretty bad because he gets yeah. himself over all the time. Yeah, um, well, not only that, but he's on math constantly. Yes, uh, allegedly. So no, probably, <laughs> probably. So, I mean, he also mm, did drag that man try and drag that man out of his car those that was, that was a wild thing anyway <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking so yes, of potential kenta murders <laughs> Ken- oh well that would be snuck but no kenta kobashi yeah the fucking dripless kenta kobashi with- he's in bob backland gear i have <laughs> um very very high trunks the the wrestling boots he's really built He's like oh, a yeah. tree. I was. It's all shoulders and back. It's like, oh man, this guy looks like he took a million bumps. So I have notes for the actual match. Mm-hmm. It's not much. Yeah, it's mainly uh, just the I've big. Got things. some highlights and everything, but also, uh, were you ever familiar with Masanobu Fuchi? Okay, um, so no, I didn't notice Fuchi too much at all. So um, I I knew a little bit about Fuchi going in, uh, mostly mm-hmm. by reputation. I hadn't really seen any of his matches, but like I've heard him, you know, referred to as you know, kind of like your hardworking, like mid card kind of guy that like the fans, you know, really like and stuff like that. And so to see him, um, kind of shepherding in like the new era, like, you know, you literally have one of the four pillars, you know, right there just in his proto form. And it was very cool. It's pretty 
crazy to consider that Kenta was new in this, well, newish in this match because mm-hmm. honestly, him and Tito were all I could pay attention to in this match. And it would, if they, if if Kent, Kenta was not green like at all, dude no. was just doing everything. So yeah, I have noted uh, there was a great snapmare over the ropes from the apron. I was like, ooh, I don't know who does this, but. We need mm-hmm. to bring this back. He started laying in the punches, and the announcers go punchy, 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 which is I thought I thought was very fun. <laughs> Amazing punchy, punchy. missile drop kick from the top from Kobashi, and he took a vert suplex that was like gorgeous. It was mm-hmm. like incredibly fluid. Um, the other thing I noticed is, and this is for the whole show, a body slam is a transition move. <laughs> Everybody would do a body slam. Then they would do the next spot. This was very common, which I don't know. I don't know when, probably in the 80s, maybe, or the maybe the late 70s, body slams became like, they're not a big deal. It's no. kind of just what you do to get from place to place. Like, I need you on the ground, and you're standing up. So it's body slam or clothesline time. Then we move on. But there were probably like five in this match, and it was just like, oh, they're just going. And uh, they also did the... The Irish whip drop down spot mm-hmm. into like Leapfrogger. That happened a lot on this show. It was very popular. But I mean, people still do it. But Tito got a shine. And yeah, let, let me let me talk about Tito for a second. Um, yes, please do. So something that Tito did that was super smart is uh, did you notice at the very beginning? Like he threatens Kobashi with the closed fist. Yes. Like, so he goes and he's, you know, threatening him. He's like, you know, oh, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And, you know, the referee's like, no, you can't use the closed fist. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so um, the amazing thing is, you know, like Tito is using like forearm strikes and things like that. Because the ref is, you know, uh, Shane, to his credit, is constantly like calling. If you look, you can't do closed fist. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. He's calling like. Yeah, 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 and he's you know, mar- you know, tapping his forearm the whole time and being like he's hitting with his forearm. But mm-hmm. then, like, whenever uh, Rick Martel like you know distracts the ref, you know, Tito hits Jimmy Kobashi. Snuka, yeah. Uh, or yeah, uh, <laughs> we're not there yet. Yeah, but yes, I, it's strike force. Uh, it's I understand. Yeah, hits uh, Kobashi, you know, with a couple of closed fists, and so whenever uh, freaking uh, Masanobu comes in and he looks out to the crowd and you know clinches his that's fist, that's what it was. What okay. a pop! That's what he was doing. Okay, that's what I was talking about. Is the only thing I noticed about. Fuchi was anytime he came in, he fucking raised the fist. Everybody went, yes, kill them. And I was like, oh, okay, is that his gimmick? Because I don't think I was paying enough attention to notice the, yeah, the closed fist. Deal. Yeah, no, he, um, was, he was literally like, they don't respect our rules. They're using the closed fist. So oh, you know what? Great. I'm going to use the closed fist. <laughs> that's and, excellent. Yeah. And Masanobu, like, uh, look. Speaking of another very problematic person, uh, the performer, Jerry Lawler, is amazing. (laughs) He is Mm -hmm. good because he can get the crowd into the palm of his hand with just a look. Some of the best punches in the business as well, pretty much. And uh, Masanobu, like, embodies that. 
Because, you yeah. know, they, they took the closed fist and the threatening of it by Tito into something where the crowd was like, yes, kill them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have like Tito gets a shine and he does drop kicks over oh. and over. And I'm like, oh, man, this rules. And I'm pretty sure they're supposed to be heels, but it doesn't matter because if you're a heel and you do a whole shitload of drop kicks, everybody just starts to go, oh, my God, he's oh, my God, it's incredible. That's basically what happened. Yeah, the only person who was perceived as a heel this entire time, and rightfully so, was Snuka. <laughs> yes, and he won with the splash in about nine minutes. Go figure. I don't know. Put Tito over, or well, you know, put Kobashi uh, an- another over, thing you know. <laughs> about uh, another thing about Masanobu Fuchi that really impressed me is: Did you notice the uh, real bad botch that he had with uh, Snuka? Is this where he got like? Thrown into the ropes? Is that what happened? Well, there were there were two spots. So, uh, okay, okay. Masanobu Fuchi uh, went to leapfrog over a back body drop attempt yes. by yes. Uh, Snuka, and Snuka raised up too quickly. And Masanobu Fuchi, like, hits the ropes Sold in a pretty it. horrible manner, but immediately starts yes. selling his knee. And I was like, damn, this guy is so good. He did such a good job that I could. I immediately assumed it wasn't a botch. I yep. immediately was like, oh, yep. he jumped over him and said, I'm going to sell my leg for the psychology of the match. That's immediately what I thought. If it was a botch, that's, that is exactly how you work a botch. It was immediately, I was like, oh, he's going to play into his leg being hurt. Cool. And then, and then. Kent is going to get the hot tag or whatever we're doing. It made perfect sense. I was like, oh, I think he, I think he literally did that on purpose. Because the way he fell into the ropes, yeah, at the very horrible. least, if, if Snuka fucked up the leapfrog, uh, I, I can believe that. But the way he fell in the ropes, I really thought it was on purpose. Like he was doing a fucked up looking spot to get over the fact that he was hurt as opposed to like we fucked up a spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was instantly like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, and it immediately left my mind that it was a botch. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I noticed that, but I didn't know what happened. And it wasn't like, oh, they fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Which happens I, well, with I mean, most botches. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like you look at it and Masanobu Fuchi is such a professional that he's like, no, no, this, this ain't happening. But then Snooka gets in there and Jesus. So... You know, like Snooka's the weak link in this match. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so they work back and forth, and uh, then Masanobu Fuchi goes to give Snooka a back body drop to like get his momentum back, and he back body drops Snooka, and Snooka immediately stands up. <laughs> that. And not I in a no like, selling, oh. not in a no selling no. way, like in a yeah. he forgot where the fuck he was way. Correct. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't do that. Snuckle wins with the splash. After Tito gives the flying forearm, which that is very a pretty thing of beauty. That is like an eagle soaring in the sky. It honestly it it's pretty it's very similar to AJ Styles uh, oh yeah phenomenal for him except that's off the top rope or whatever he does it like the buckshot lariat but 
Um, we well, see when well, Tito Styles, Styles will do it running sometimes. Yeah. Well, when Tito hits it, the thing is that makes it great is he sends his body like completely flat, except for yep. like his he bends his legs at his knees, and you know yep. just hits the forearm, and he is so tall and rangy that mm-hmm. like I buy it as a finishing move. I'm like, oh yeah, you got you got hit with technical expertise. You are done. He also, like, he does a very good job of, like, firing up and getting, like, because, oh. again, I think they were heels, but, like, yeah, yeah. the minute he, he did all the drop kicks in the forearm, it was like, oh, oh, this, he's oh, like yeah. face. He's, yeah, you the, know. the crowd was chanting Ariba. <laughs> I mean. I didn't even notice. That's amazing. I gave it 2.5 stars. Mm-hmm. Um, It mm-hmm. was good. I, w- I wouldn't say anybody has to go out of their way to watch it, mainly because Snook is in it, and uh, it's not incredibly long or complicated, but Tito Shine was fun. Seeing a young Kenna Kobashi do oh, some work. amazing. Very excellent. But it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like an all-time classic or anything. It was good. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I give it, like, you know, uh, the, the one true, uh, rating counter, uh, Coco Beware's Frankie counter, uh, oh, and I give okay. it, I give it, a three Frankies. Three and Frankies. And so, whenever I say three Frankies, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like, three means it's pretty good. If you got time to kill, give it a watch. Like, that's kind of my baseline. That's actually a top rating, because... Coco Beware had to actually go through three Frankies because the first two. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's true, but uh, no. uh, Look, uh, I will defend Coco through the Frankie. No, no, no. They're not Damien's. Okay, Frankie lived a healthy life because Coco Beware was was safe and he was a responsible pet owner. He was safe in the ring with Frankie. He he really. Was very soft with those power bombs on Frankie. Uh, look, okay. look, I've taken top rope splashes from, you know, Gibbons, uh, a gazelle. <laughs> but let me tell you, like a top rope splash from Frankie, he's got me all day. It's fun. Oh, from Frankie. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can yeah. do that all day. So, <laughs> yeah, the next you, match. If you have time yes. to kill, give it a watch. Three Frankies, baby. Yeah, it was, it was fine. It was good. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. The Now. Before the hmm. next match, there is a promo segment with Bret Hart explain like current well as of the tape. It was probably like two thousand nine. Yeah, 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 yeah. That kind of frame uh, era, Bret Hart, and Bret is uh, he's old, and it is classic Bret Hart. I love Bret Hart. Don't get me love wrong, him. but Bret's Bret's thing. Is always like, and, and I'll, I'll just do my impression. Like, let's say I had a match with Gilberg, um, and many years th- in the 20 year retrospective in which the Gilberg <laughs> versus Burt uh, match is featured on my tape, uh, I say, you know, uh, yeah, me and Gilberg just we really wanted to work, and uh, I, I just wanted to have the best match possible with Gilberg, so I really wanted to go out there and uh, and just uh, show off the best I could possibly do or whatever the fuck it's, it's just, yeah, I, I really wanted to lift up this tiger mask kid and make him look. And, and also, uh, tiger mask two here, Misawa, mm-hmm. uh, one of the most legendary Japanese stars of all time. Bret Hart's doing him a big favor by making him look good. 
Now, <laughs> I mean, every time you cut to Bret Hart, it's like, hey, hey, Bret, what did what did you think of uh, this, you know, like match that you had? And he like always looks down and he's like, oh, well, you know, uh, went out there and I mean, I just I didn't have the best match that I could. I was. I was thinking about my many mistresses on the road and God I was getting lonely. Sunny days. <laughs> um, but no, every time it's like Bret Hart can never, except for a few matches, ever just be like, I had a really good match. And like, yeah. I think that that is actually an endearing quality of Bret Hart because he's always like looking back at his previous work and being like, God, if only I could just have a second chance. I could do it better. Just like my but marriage. See, that's the thing is it's always like he wants to be the best, but it becomes silly after a point. Like I would love to see an interview with Brett Hart. Like now, Brett, uh, I really wanted to know what you thought about your match with Skinner at this Tuesday. In Texas. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I'd really love to hear him be like, you know, we tried to put on the best match we could brother, but, and it's like, it's fucking Skinner dude. He's doing we're, the crocodile roll and throw it to bat. Like, uh, fucking chew in your face. Just chill out. It, it was never gonna be a five star classic. <laughs> you went out there. You did a backbreaker. It sucked. You tried. It's fine. Um, now, in this case though, the problem is is the way he put it over for me is kind of like I tried to do the best for this. It it felt very like, and this is a Bret Hart special. It felt very backhandedly egotistical in a pseudo humble way. That's what Bret does. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like, he buys his own bullshit. Because to me, it came off like, I was just trying to have the best match with this kid. I, it, he didn't he didn't say this kid, but you really got the impression it was like, I tried to work with him the best I could to have the best match possible. It's like, he's fucking Masawa, dude. Like, if it was me, and I was Bret Hart, I'd be like, man, I wish I could go back and have that match again, because I was in the ring with a fucking legend, and didn't know it at the time. You know what I mean? Like, I'd mm -hmm. put him over now. But he didn't. But well, anyway. I mean, so the thing is, like, I will say, Brett is a little justified in this because Misawa yes. was like he had just kind of gotten over as himself, and then he mm -hmm. like took up the mantle of Tiger Mask. This is you know Tiger Mask two here, and yes, he felt like he was literally wrestling uh, in the shadows. Um. <laughs> oh. Wrestling with shadows, Bret Hart. There you go. See. Yeah, and so with um, that, like I'll I'll forgive him this time. But yeah, if he starts like getting the real sad puppy dog face whenever he's like, oh, you know, me and the me and the Mountie, we were we were talking, and really wanted to have the best match out there in Calgary. They had a great match. Come on now, no, it was very good. I will forgive him this time because this is how I felt before I watched the match. Now, the match was really good, mm -hmm. but I expected Misawa and I got Tiger Mask 2, which is yeah. not a bad thing. It's just not it's it's like if I it's like if I want to watch if I wanted to watch Owen versus Brett, but I end up watching the Blue Blazer versus yeah, whoever very, like it's not still enjoyable but very much different things it's so different because the the character and also the move set and the the idea of what it is is different now there's amazing there's amazing sexy tiger mask music for tiger mask to come mm -hmm. out brett comes out to his music but it doesn't have the 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 squeal at the beginning yet the 
That yeah, thing, yeah, it, it doesn't have quite yet. evolved yet. And I don't know. I want to say Brett was a heel at this time. Um, um no, Brett was. Oh. Well, he might have been. Um, no, no. I think him and uh the uh bulldog had just broken up because Wembley Stadium is like 1991. I'm pretty sure, but. Um, uh, I believe it's 92. 92. This is WrestleMania 7 era with Slaughter and all that business. And at that time, the Hart Foundation, if they weren't champions yet, they were going to be champions very soon. And I believe they were... We see, I believe he was... Face champions. I, I believe he was a face because he went out to give his glasses to a kid and got booed. That's Which that was my next note. He never yes. he never gave his glasses whenever he was uh, a heel. Okay, he never did that. Uh, now after WrestleMania seven, they lost the belts, and then uh, spoilers: we're not going to review WrestleMania seven. But the Hart Foundation lost to the Nasty Boys in the ridiculous, you oh, know, yeah. bullshit match, and uh, the Hart Foundation disbanded, and they both went into singles. So I'm pretty sure at this point. If Brett wasn't already a face, they were moving him into that range very quickly. Yeah, yeah, because um, he's about to be <clears throat> yeah. the the entire, you know, thing of the new generation. Like, he's going to be the backbone. So, I, yeah. I did enjoy that the guy... Now, he did come out, and he was very clearly a heel in this match. At the very... Like, even before the match started, because mm-hmm. he kind of, like... He gets in the ring, he does that thing where he motions his hands toward him, like, look at me, eh, why am I even here? And then he goes out and gives the glasses to the kids. So I think everybody was like, hey, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> you stinking glass. I'd love if the kid just threw glasses back at him, but he wouldn't have done that. Uh, <laughs> immediately, there's there's Tyga chance, which Tyga, I was Tyga. Tyga. I was like, ooh, this is great. I have notes, but, mm-hmm. I mean, spoilers, this match ended in a time limit draw. Um, so it wasn't too long either. I think it was like 20, 15 minutes. 20. It was 20 minutes. Well, I will give them credit. It didn't feel, eh, it felt like 15. It was still, it was a work in progress. It wasn't like the Omega Kata thing where I, I mean, uh, uh, Omega Brian thing where I was like, oh God, that was 30 minutes. This was like, okay. That was my impression anyway. Uh, Tiger Mask keeps putting Brett in arm holds and he keeps flipping over, which I found interesting. He would like flip over to escape and then transition, mm-hmm. uh, which I think more people should do stuff like that. Oh, that's a technical thing. He, oh, Tiger Mask, like he puts Brett outside and then he does a flip over onto the apron and back into the Yeah, ring. yeah, does like, the uh, faint on the tope. Amazing. Oof. Amazing. Also, Oof. did you notice that like, this is one thing that I look at a lot of wrestlers and I really mm. appreciate about the wrestlers who do it. I mm. love a wrestler who hits the ropes like they owe them money. Yes. Because, yes. you know, like if you're just barely pressing the ropes and everything, it does not cut a striking figure. And mm-hmm. it looks like you're afraid of the momentum. And uh, yes. Brett is making Brett and Misawa are making the ring move. Yes, like they hit the ropes, and like you can hear the the ropes just like you know giving, and it's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Side tangent. Uh, this is a big thing I have with a lot of women's wrestling I watch, and uh, and also something I talked about with. 
uh, your brother Aaron, is that I feel that women just for the most part simply cannot hit the ropes the same in the sense that their their center is different, their momentum is different, so they have to find a way to believably hit the ropes and make it work. And for a lot of them, that is difficult. So like the probably one of the hardest things that I see with women is like they go up to the rope, they put their back flat and their arm on it like you're quote unquote supposed to, but the ropes don't really give. They just, it's yeah. kind of like they run up to it, they stop and put their back on it, and then they run the other way, which feels like that's not, it feels fake. It feels like we're pretending to run and bounce when we're not. So, and, so I you mean, know, I, I will say this, mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I trained as a wrestler and I'm five foot six, yeah. so I'm nothing. Yes. And whenever I was training, the ropes like hit like high on my shoulder blades, like right below like my neckline almost. So whenever I would have, I would hit the ropes. Like I had to make a, make it a point to like really get. So anyone who is like five foot three or under, Mm -hmm. yes, they have a physical time. And this is just anybody. Cause you can even look at Ray Mysterio whenever he isn't bouncing off of the second rope. He hits the ropes kind of weak. The, and the, it's literally a height thing. The match that taught me this lesson, because I used to, I always noticed it with the women. I was like, why do women? And, you know, I've learned over time. That's why. But um, the match that taught me this lesson was WrestleMania X7. It was Taz and APA versus Right to Censor. Mm-hmm. There's Bradshaw throws Taz into the ropes and it's he throws him so hard and he goes so fast that he kind of trips forward and falls back on the second rope and mm. just stumbles out. It's like, oh, you bouncing off the second rope like that right under the third rope, it fucking sucks. Yeah. It's not good. So um but back on track. They, yes, he hits the ropes very good in this match. There is a very big crowd pop for a baseball slide into a Pescado, I believe. Now I did try to figure out if that's what this move is called it's where you like grab the ropes from the inside and then you hurl yourself over sideways onto the person Mm -hmm. like in a splash type thing is that a pescado i believe it is um you call it plancha something plancha splash or something but yeah uh, i've always heard it called plancha so yeah i didn't see too many this is 1990 i didn't see too many people doing this back no um, maybe in Lucha territories, but, uh, you know, I wasn't watching that either for obvious reasons. Uh, big boss man, definitely not doing Pescados. No, the time. absolutely um, not. <laughs> love the dude. And we'll get into that later. Oh. Uh, great European uppercut reversal into a backslide. This is, this was kind of like one of the moves for the match for me. Brett's doing these Europeans and <laughs> Tiger Mask just like, Goes to the side and just pulls him down for a backslide of all things. I was like, holy shit, that came out of nowhere. I haven't noted, uh, ask him, because apparently this is where Jericho <laughs> got that from. Yep. It's, ask him, Ruff. It's like, ask him. Ask him, Ruff. Ruff, ask him. Hey. I'm sorry, I'm, I just want you to ask him. Uh, you haven't seen but, my wife, have you? Huh? <laughs> she isn't here. I, She's in the next honestly, territory over. <laughs> I he's she's in the next prefecture. Uh I I 
I was so thankful he started doing the ask him because before that, there honestly, there's quite a lot of rest holds in this match. Yeah. Because they're trying to work it out. And before he started saying ask him every time and laying in headlocks and stuff, very obvious they're calling spots. Like, uh, mostly Brett. Brett is really trying to call stuff. And he's like, ah, we're in Japan. Nobody knows what I'm saying anyway. I'm just, I mean, I can't hear it because I didn't really pay that, but it's its very obvious. Like, he's talking to him. I yeah. got it. Um, but once he started going to ask him, I'm like, okay, we're not calling spots anymore. Thank you, Brett. Uh, <laughs> there was an incredible snap vertical suplex by Brett. Oof, yeah. There are oh. a lot of good verticals. Oh, yeah. And uh, did you see that real weird backbreaker that he did? He went from. He tried a- to do the. He tried to do the normal one he does, and he got out of it. Like Masawa got out of it, and then he transitioned one of Masawa's moves, I think, into the end of the backbreaker. It was like a delayed spot, if I remember this right. Uh, well, what he did was, you know, he got him like he was going to do a uh, reverse atomic drop. You know, the, right. the front, the Manhattan drop, the or whatever up. you want to call it. Yeah. And instead of doing that, Brett kicked his legs out like he did a double leg takedown oh. and and put his knee out to where Brett's knee struck like the base of Masawa's spine. That's what it was. But I think all that came out after he does like Brett does the whole like it's not a tilt a whirl, but it's like a transition into the backbreaker that's really gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um and that got kind of like I don't know if reversal is the right word, but it got turned around on him and then that happened uh it was an amazing sequence like you don't i mean i love brett but you didn't typically see people do those kind of sequences with brett that much because i I feel usually in the 90s brett was outworking not everybody just about yeah everybody that he came around like there were very hard workers but he they generally were not in brett's orbit at that time yeah if he was working with like sean or but you know we all know how that went uh well i'm sure we'll have an episode on the no i'm not i'm not retreading that territory uh so then we got the patented uh brett sternum bump uh yeah jesus uh who was it just i think brian did that in the uh yeah omega match yeah brian took one this relatively recent i went to the live show and saw that live and uh yeah i remember they were and this is probably around where on this show where I started realizing, wow, like I I wouldn't compare this to AEW by any means, but um, it's just Japan. Like it, it's interesting to see. Like if you watch WWE, you don't see how much. And I guess you could, but it's not as noticeable how Japanese wrestling has influenced things. You watch AEW, people just do chops all the time, mm-hmm. and. I, it actually got to a point where when I started watching it, I mean, I, I love chops, but I was like, man, they do a lot of chops. Like, a lot. Yeah. Like, if you watch WWE, they don't do near as many. They do them, but, like, not. And then I watched this show, and fucking, I mean, we're not there yet, but fucking Hogan's doing knife-edge chops all the time. I'm like, okay, everybody's just doing them on the show. Uh, and they do knee strikes and stuff. Stuff that, like, you see in AEW all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the blueprint for modern wrestling is absolutely laid in the 80s and 90s in Japan. Yeah. 
ends in a time limit draw. It's kind of anticlimactic. I don't know if there was a big spot I, before I that. Got, but, yeah. I got mad. <laughs> because I did get a they, little salty because it didn't really they look were, like it was going to end. They were just starting to get good. Like, it yeah. was good, don't get me wrong, but they were, like, just starting to heat up. And it felt like, you know, the kettle came off the boil uh, way too early, and I got lukewarm tea, and I was very fucking mad. <laughs> yes, yes. So, my thing with Brett matches, and this is a bad comparison, but I compare it kind of like to Randy Orton matches. Randy Orton's worse at it. Uh -huh. But the idea is, the Go first on. five to ten... I know, I know. But the first five to ten minutes is typically like, we're building. And I'm going to do a lot of rest holds, and we're going to slowly work up the... Now, again, Randy Orton, listeners and viewers, much worse at this style of wrestling, because the boring part is much more boring. But really, the first ten minutes of this was good, and it was it had yeah. its spots, but a lot of it was like... Yeah, because like... Brett's it, building and building and building, and we're going to get there. And then we were just about to get there... We didn't even really get there because it wasn't like Brett put in the sharpshooter and then the match got called as a draw or Misawa did. You know, they were literally standing there and the they were standing there doing maybe some boring strikes. And then the bell just rang yeah. and it was like, oh, the match is over. I actually I didn't even know it was a draw at first. I thought something happened. I was like, are we doing a fuck finish or something? No, it's just a draw. Uh, yeah, yeah like, I, I and the thing anticlimactic. is. Brett makes the very beginning of the match very good. Um, or it's good because of, like, the little things he does. Like, you know, when Misawa has him in holds and he's on the ground, like, Brett will have his shoulders on the mat and, like, he'll feel the ref checking. And the second he feels the ref's fingers, like, check his shoulder, just shoots it up immediately. Yep. It's like these little touches that always make a Bret Hart match good. And then also, like, you know, a little levity is needed because uh, <laughs> about two minutes before the end of the match, did you hear the ring? No. Did somebody say no. something? Misawa goes to jump off of the top rope to do a uh, crossbody, and I'd been hearing the ropes the entire time, like, you know, oh. moving and, you know, like, making, like, crinkle noises, like if you've got, like, leather gloves and you're, like, you know, really, like, squeaking on something. And right as Misawa goes to do a crossbody, you just hear the ring go, like a clown horn. It is the funniest what? fucking thing. Why, though? Was there a... I don't even... Whenever he leaps off of the uh, turnbuckle, there's like oh, metal... Oh, creaks on, like... There's metal on metal, like, touching somewhere, Ooh. and it goes... <laughs> oh, my God. And so I just wow. kept rewinding it back and forth. Just hearing, I totally <laughs> missed this. I did, not, I did not even see this. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's so, yeah. amazing you can um, edit that in in the background <laughs> yeah yeah so this match um it's good but it makes me angry uh two frankies mm. that's it wow and okay i went i went two, higher surprising two on me is like not great not really worth watching 
Like I, this is an incomplete match for a series that never happened. And it's, it, it made me like X-Pac bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I understand. I went higher, but I can, un- okay. So, and this is actually the way I feel about Brett matches in general. I like them. And it's because of the the Orton thing I talked about. I like them, but I can totally understand why people don't like them. Because for me, I don't like Randy Orton matches. But mm-hmm. I do like Brett matches. But I can see how if somebody was like, eh, like half the matches fucking rest holds and it went too long for no good reason, I can totally see that. I actually have it noted. There's a point where Misawa's in a headlock and the ref keeps raising his hand. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't do like the American style of your hand falls, your hand falls. And then yeah, you one, pick up your two. hand and you go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And you get the crowd into it. He just kind of like, he'll get to like the third or second one and he'll just wave at the ref. Like, yeah. like, nah, nah. Yeah, yeah. And then they're just checking like the way Japan yeah. worked at the time is if your arm was completely limp and you didn't have any like movement in it, then the ref would call it because they were still going for like a more realistic like sports yes. style. But I do have it noted, like, I could have used a little more, like... Drama. Drama, yes. They were working it, but then the time limit draw kind of killed. Now, I have three and three quarters because Mm. work great, really great. Storytelling was on the path to be great. The problem is, is the finish just... Yeah. Chop blocked it out, and there's nothing... I I needed a little bit more, like... This didn't leave me wanting more. This um, was, you know, it's like a meal that you have where, like, you have a bad fast food meal, but then, like, they have a good dessert at the end. And it's like, do you really want to go and eat another, you know, fast food meal at that place just to get the dessert? Yes. Agreed. So, the next match. This one. We gotta talk about this. This one ruled. First of all, all, Roxette, the look. Blast over the speakers. She's got the look! And I jump up in my seat, and I go, who is this? Because, dear listener slash viewer, I don't know if you know, I fucking love Roxette. They fucking rule. And I heard this song and I was like, who the fuck is coming out to the look? This is awesome. And who could have possibly predicted? It is Greg Valentine. Shake, rattle, and roll Greg Valentine in 1990. The fucking... Sour puss mashed potato man himself, Greg Listen. the Hammer Valentine, coming out <laughs> to the look. I never liked Greg Val. I mean, I I like him in the sense that like it's like a Tito thing. That's how I always felt. It was like I respect certain things that he does, but the minute he comes out, it's like, oh boy, might need to hit the bathroom first. <laughs> now the thing is though, three Greg things came to work. Obviously, <laughs> well, three things, three things. First of all, Roxette. What a good decision. Second of all, it's Shake, Rattle, and Roll Valentine. And honestly, I was like, it's 1990. He's got to look like shit when he comes out. He looked fucking great. Uh-huh. I don't know what. I'm I'm pretty sure he looked way worse five years prior to this. I don't know how that works. Because dude was still old. Like, he's obviously five years older. And uh, third, 
yeah, he's fucking working. Like, I was like, okay. And then, great Kabuki. Jesus Demolition. Christ. I have written Demolition Kabuki. Uh, who looks <laughs> Stop like, that. Who looks like he's... He's in the real Dungeon of Doom. Like, the, the <laughs> shoot Dungeon of Doom. This dude. I I don't think I've ever seen Kabuki work. Uh, maybe never. I did. Never. You never have. Wow. I mean, maybe I did, but if I did, I didn't remember. And here, he looked fucking creepy. Like, I was like, oh, God. Against Greg Valentine? We're doing this? Like, he's gonna kill this man. This is what it looked like. It looked like he was gonna cut him. Yeah, I, like, I, I saw the great Kabuki, you know, as a kid. Like, I knew of him, the Red Mist, uh, because, uh, like, uh, the great Muda had the Green Mist, and the great Kabuki had uh, the Red Mist. So, you know, that's how I kept them up- gotcha. uh, separate in well- my mind. Well, his makeup made his face look like it was cut all over the face, all over the place. Yeah. Uh, I was like, he looks, and he's in like this, it's not chain mail, but it's like some kind of creepy shogun shit, or I don't know what the fuck it is. It was, I guess it was kabuki, like, theater stuff. Yeah, it it, he looks creepy. like he had to scrape the bottom of the barrel at the Mad Max bin. He looked like a demon, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, okay. Then the match happens. Um, I have really great strikes like the strikes were very good and uh, uh i have that uh valentine i wish more people would do this it's people would call it the flare flop but it's not the flare flop yeah uh, he does like he gets hit and then he goes stiff and falls straight forward as slowly as possible onto his face which i always love oh, yeah i mean Val- greg valentine and rick flair have been compared many times and the yes. well <laughs> I think uh, he might be taking his gimmick a little bit. That's just a guess that Greg Valentine might uh, be. It, the thing is, though, like people were doing that kind of stuff all the time. There are like nine yes. other wrestlers that were lost in time doing the yeah. style and profiling. Like he's not. Um, who's the guy that was in WCW? Uh, <laughs> Buddy Landell. Oh, Buddy Landell. Okay, yeah. Buddy Landell had the fucking, the, yes, okay, he had the exact same hair. He has the fucking robe. He he goes by nature boy Buddy Landell. Fuck you, buddy. Like, you're yeah. not, Rick. The, I always wondered how he got away with that. Like, I guess he had Rick's blessing. I highly. No, no. The, so the thing is, nature boy Ric Flair stole it from uh, Buddy Rogers. Like, he says it was bequeathed to him, but, like, Buddy Rogers, like, apparently went and told a whole bunch of people, yeah, you can use my name, the Nature Boy, I don't care. Um, And so the thing is, if Ric Flair were to, like, seek retribution against him, then it points a finger at him, because there's nothing... Oh, he's using the gimmick against him. Yeah, okay, there, I see. I see. And so that's the same thing with Greg Valentine, but also during that era you had nothing but Ric Flair like ripoffs running all around the independents yes. and stuff. But just like how in the, in the early 2000s of independent wrestling everyone looked like uh Matt and Jeff Hardy. Yes. But Buddy was in my opinion like the most I was like, dude, get another gimmick. This sucks. But anyway, I wasted so much time looking for Buddy Landell. We were talking 
about Greg Valentine versus Greg Kabuki. Now, yeah. Greg Valentine came to work. He did work. The most interesting thing in this match to me was Kabuki ends up in the Tree of Woe <laughs> in a very interesting way. And I'm like, oh, what is Greg Valentine going to do to Kabuki in the Tree of Woe? And the answer is nothing. Because the ref yeah. is going to go, get away. And then he's going to get <laughs> Kabuki out of the Tree of Woe. I was like, is this the first time this has ever happened? Uh, like Kab- The thing is, Kabuki goes for a drop kick into the corner where that's what it was. Valentine is at the turnbuckle. And Kabuki yeah. leaps up and smooth as silk puts himself in the Tree of Woe. And Greg the Hammer Valentine, like, looks at the crowd, you know, and, like, raises his fist and kicks him a few times in the stomach, and then the ref pulls him off, and it's like, like, oh. I know, yeah, it was kind of a lost cause for me. I was like, oh, I thought he was going to do a spot. No, the ref's like, no spot. No, it's not good. Yeah, (laughs) imagine, like, you know, just uh, three or four years later, like, Tommy Dreamer is going to be, you know, putting people in the tree of woe and doing that. You know, oh. fucking vicious drop kick. Can right you to their imagine? Face. Can you imagine the ECW ref? Tommy Dreamer gets fucking Shane Douglas in the trio of the refs. Like, uh, uh, no. uh, uh, I have to get him out. Oh my god! You, you, that man would die. That yeah, ref would he would have gotten stabbed ring. with fourteen hypodermic <laughs> needles and had track rock thrown in his nose. Oh, he would have been fine with that. Uh, <laughs> but it would have got him on track. I see what you're saying. It's like a it's a reverse rehab. Then we need to get you on track with the way this company works. Uh, so, um, I have uh, Greg Van- Valentine goes for the figure four, and the pin is stolen um, because this match was seven minutes and. I'm going to be honest, not that much happened. It was short and sweet, but there wasn't that much to it for me. See, uh, the the thing is, like, what impressed me the most is I'm used to, uh, like, Greg the Hammer Valentine right here is having mm-hmm. fun. Yes. And that is a rare thing. And Mm -hmm. it shows that, like, you know, whenever I watched him in later years and everything, like, he was curmudgeonly, hated what he was doing, and was sore, and, you know, pretty much used up. And the thing is, here, he's having fun, he's, like, working pretty fast, honestly, like, not a lot happens in the match, but... Things happen like there is kinetic dynamic movement the entire time, especially yes. with Greg doing his little, you know, he loves fucking... to do the, the I, don't, I think he's making fun of Kabuki. I couldn't tell if he was like shake, rattling and rolling or no, making he, fun yeah, of Kabuki he, or both. No, he's doing <laughs> the shake, rattle and roll uh, because whatever uh, him and uh, uh, honky tonk, because at first, whenever I first saw the match, I was like. Is Honky Tonk about to wrestle in the Tokyo Dome? And then I was like, oh, it's Greg the Hammer. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> but every time he every time he did that, though, the crowd lost it. They were like, boo, yes. we hate this man. We hate this fucker. Yeah. It was good. It was, okay, it's not a detriment to this match that it is short, because it was quick, and it was what it needed to be. I did not want to see Greg the Hammer Valentine and Great Kabuki go 40 minutes. Yeah. No. Uh, it's fine. But I was going to say, the only other time I really ever enjoyed Greg the Hammer Valentine, because usually, like I said, it was like, oh, it's a Greg the Hammer Valentine match. 
he's fighting like Hercules or something. Yeah, I'm gonna go over here. Uh-huh. Uh, but the only other time I enjoyed him was the Terry Garvin feud. I think it's Terry Garvin, right? No, Ronnie. John, Ronnie, Ronnie, Garvin. Ronnie Garvin. Ronnie, man the with a handsome stone. Yes, and they had the feud over the figure four, and Greg uh, retired him, and then he came back as like a ring announcer and a commentator. And it, oh man, that because mm-hmm. see that was fun, and Greg got to have a lot of fun and mm-hmm. be the straight man. Like that was enjoyable. If he's facing Hercules on a on a bullshit pay per view, I don't care. Yeah, but no. uh, I gave it two stars because there wasn't that much to it. Yeah, but it is still. I wouldn't like. I wouldn't say anybody needs to. The only thing, the only reason I would say anybody needs to watch it is to see fucking Shake Rattle and Roll Craig Valentine coming out to <laughs> rock set, which is the funniest spot. Honestly, after I saw this, I was like, because I used to think if I was a wrestler, my theme song would be like a fucking carcass song, or it'd be something like, like, like get people crazy. Yeah. But now I'm like, I don't know. Like, the look is actually a pretty good idea for a wrestling theme. I'm just waiting for someone to come out to, like, the fucking Savage Garden song. I, you know, I was big into Savage Garden too. And honestly, I think Roxette and Savage Garden. Literally, I they're they're parallel worlds. Like it's the same exact style of pop music. So uh, yeah, that would be and, great. I mean, it helped to uh, create you know JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which fed back into <sighs> wrestling, which wrestling fed into JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and became this crazy loop where now everyone did, just loves JoJo. Did Savage Garden create JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? Is that how no. that happened? No, but okay. in the third season, it was used uh, for the the intro song uh i'm imagining truly madly deeply amvs now uh, <laughs> um but uh, yeah, uh two stars gave, how many frankies yeah uh this mm-hmm. this is three frankies i think it is interesting okay. enough and short enough to like if you have a yeah. chance yeah go out and give it a watch give it a watch mm-hmm. like it's fun mm-hmm. now the it next was one now the next match. uh you mean the next all-time classic match of jake roberts versus the big boss band bubba rogers oh um, my god hard time hard time uh <laughs> the, <laughs> the shows thing though no, uh hard time starts playing now i've watched some 80s stuff Mm-hmm. And I feel like theme songs only really became a thing around this time. But the thing was, is you would see shows like WWE shows or WWF and they were cut to shit. It's kind of hard to like, like you didn't always hear the whole song or sometimes they just didn't even play the song. So I don't remember hearing hard time all that much. Nope. And here it's like, oh, oh, he's got hard time. This song rules. Yeah, it's uh, so good. Boss man. Is in relatively good shape. Ha, he fluctuated you, a lot around this. Have time. you seen? Like you watched the Attitude Era, so you got to see yes. like late era. Yes, the horrible, uh, honestly, one of the nastiest, meanest heels to ever exist. Yeah, his gimmick got turned into. Honestly, I think it was the right move because police. Uh, obviously, we are we are um, on this podcast slash video, whatever we call it. Uh, we are leftists, uh, a cab for sure. Mm-hmm. But in the eighties, the eighties was a simpler time. And I didn't mind too much in the eighties when boss man would cut a promo and be like, uh, you're going to, I'm going to 
put you in the pokey and punish you for all them crimes you did. You know, like, I'm like, that's kind of fun. It's stupid, but it's Yeah, fun. yeah, because you also, in that same time period, had, like, you know, uh, hi, I'm the Repo Man. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll talk about Around him this later. Um, yeah. I'm going to take your car. He shows up later. Yeah, you know, you you had like other job related <laughs> gimmicks like on there, and it's like, okay, yeah, we got a policeman, sure. I mean, it's Barry Darso, I believe. Barry Darso, uh, yeah, and he made that work because, <laughs> oh yeah, that's not your car, that's my car, lady. Uh, <laughs> but like, but uh, that that ain't a lady, that's a that's a car stealer. Uh, but then like the thing was is, see, that's a heel thing, mm-hmm. and. He, in maybe in the early to mid eighties, you could eighties uh, you could maybe actually make the repo mana face thing just by being so stupid and goofy. But the nineties, you especially the late nineties, if you have a cop gimmick, they need to be a fucking heel. They need to be oh, a yeah. shitty asshole heel. And honestly, uh, uh, boss man and B squared, that's basically the shield. Uh, now the shield, mm. see, they turned it and they were like, ah, they're protectors of whatever. And then they turn them heel and, you know, whatever they needed to do. But they had the same gear, same idea. It it, it worked. I didn't hate Bossman during that time. Yeah, because, I, I mean, they the also, like, uh, shit, you know? drew on real life <laughs> events for uh, the Attitude Era Bossman because he killed mm-hmm. a dog. Uh, real cops do that all the time. They kill 10,000 dogs uh, a day. He drove Big Show's dad's coffin, mom's coffin, or whoever around. Yeah, while Big Show yeah. was crying on the back of a daughter. <laughs> Incredible. So, the thing is, this is not that boss man. This is hard time big boss man. He's in okay shape. Jake comes out to his incredible music also, which you never... you See, that's the thing. I didn't look at the card before. I was just letting it happen yes. to me. And so, mm-hmm. I heard hard times, and it tickled the back of my head. I was like, I know, I know who this is. Is that? And yep. it kept saying hard times, and I was like, "Is this Dusty?" No, that's American no. Dream. And I was like, "Hard oh. times, Daddy." Yeah, and I was <laughs> like, "Oh, it's Big Boss Man! Hell yes!" And the second he gets in the ring, he just casually does a high kick, like right up to his head. Say what you he will. Did. Big Boss Man was never actually out of shape. Like, uh, he, yeah, he, no, not no, no. He was always fine. Uh, he did a he did a scissor kicker on it, which is probably what you're talking. He did a fucking like a fucking high axe kick, like scissor. Yeah, kick he kicked. Fucking he did a straight kick, <clears throat> and like the yeah. top of his foot was equal to his eyes. Like, yeah, it was. Crazy. I can't do that. And no. this guy. So and so then all of a sudden I hear boom and this is right before they put in the trust me. Trust, trust me. Cuz he wasn't he wasn't a super heel yet with Warrior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so oh my god, I was uh, so you you didn't watch during this era, right? When I was a young young kid, yes, because remember I was Warrior Mark. So it was just That's a little right. after this. It was around this era, yes. So, and then I stopped when I was a kid I stopped around the new gen when when Yokozuna was on the warpath. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So you might remember from this time period like you had these very strong characters, Jake the Snake, uh Big Boss yes. Man. I but was also unless, a big Jake the Snake Mark. Yeah. Unless they were in a direct feud with one another, uh usually uh, or in a direct feud with somebody, 
usually you would just see the star, you know, Jake the Snake versus Jobber. Big Boss Man yes. versus Jobber. All yes. the time. So getting to see, like, two of the bigger stars actually wrestle one another? Amazing. Amazing. I started clapping. It is a note I have for this match and another match later. If they had this match at SummerSlam or at Survivor Series, whatever, almost 100% double count out brawl to the back. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all that fucking happened back because nobody's yep. going over. Yeah, no so, one, w- no one's going to win. So, yeah. And like- I actually, yeah, I actually haven't noted as my last note for this match, which it's fine to put it here. Jake's and my knowledge of Jake's entire offense is punches, short arm clothesline, which typically goes to the DDT. However, in this match, he does a knee strike, then he goes to the DDT because I guess he's in Japan. Why not? However, this match is 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. That's all he did. Yep. That's all. And honestly, in my entire time watching Jake matches, pretty much all I remember him doing yep. offensively. He doesn't, he is, I like his work, but there ain't much to it. Like, Cena's got five moves. This dude doesn't even have five moves. I love it, but he, Jake is a character. He yep. is a God-level promo. He is an excellent-level angles guy. Not a worker. And the other thing is, I love Jake during this period when he was like a, well, this was another thing. Jake was mostly a fucking creepy heel. But, this is the weird thing. Hard time hits. Boss Man comes out. Jake's music hits. I'm like, oh. Oh. Well, this is face cop versus heel weird outlaw guy. <laughs> nope. Reverse. Complete opposite. Complete opposite. Boss Man is an asshole heel. The entire match, and Jake gets the shit beat out of him until he makes his comeback because people want to see Damien and they want to see the DDT, which is how, honestly, it mostly should have been. Yep. So I mean, the thing is, you say Jake isn't a uh, isn't known work. for his work rate, and he sells I will, great. I will say that, but it just like Brett the Hitman Hart. It is the little things that he does that makes everything great. Like, whenever he's getting beat up by the boss man, he's looking out to the crowd, and he's, like, reaching out to the fans, and, like, everyone was into this match. Like, the crowd was... This is probably one of the more sustained, like, everyone was just buzzing for this match. Yes, uh, a few things I will say about Jake is I say punches, but that's like saying the rock does punches. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rock doesn't just do punches. He does big, huge rock punches. And Jake leans in, kicks his foot back, his other knee forward and punches a dude. It is a big deal. It's like when Dusty does it and he rolls oh. his elbows and it's not like he just He's a punch kick regular creative wrestler. He does big things. The other thing is Jake. Other wrestlers do DDTs. They even did it this time, believe it or not. It wasn't like, but the thing was, is Jake did the short arm clothesline and then he motioned with his hand 
and everybody fucking knew and went crazy every time in a yeah. Jake match. No, whenever you see Jake, uh, as a kid, whenever you would see Jake make yeah. the around-the-world motion with his hand... He's gonna kill him. You yeah. were... Everyone just... You got up because you were gonna see the DDT. And yeah. like, oh. And, and look, like, like, I love... I love Moxley to death, for example, mm -hmm. but even Moxley, the paradigm shift ain't over like the DDT was. It's not no. a knock on Moxley. Love him to death, and I'm sure he's greatly influenced him, but, but Jake had that thing where he could get the smallest things super over yeah, uh, by very small things. So you're right. Uh, I agree with you. I have what you want, asshole. <laughs> what, you want, know what you want asshole what you want asshole i don't know who he was talking to but boss man jumps up on the rope looking outside everyone goes spitting what you want, asshole spitting, spitting the entire time he was so I... fucking spitty the whole time it was so funny the crowd started chanting i think they were chanting boss man's fat originally thought i thought it was okay. boss man slam and That's I was like, what Ooh. I thought too. I thought the same exact thing. I was like, they got to be chanting Boss Man Slim, but he's such a heel. He's being a shithead. Yeah. And so, then I started to look like I started trying to read the lips of the people. And yeah, it, it, it like was fat. Boss Man's fat. But I was like, not oh, a very good. Sucks. Not a very good chant if it sounds like the finisher. Uh, you really get the opposite effect. So, and I was like, oh, they want the Boss Man Slam. That's cool. Now, Bossman was good. Mm -hmm. He did a lot of work. However, Amazing. I did have to note down Bossman with the absolute trash top rope splash. Do not oh, do top yeah. rope splashes if you're going to fall on your feet and knees. It looks so he always did this too. Yeah. And I don't blame the dude. He's big. Just don't do the move. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's too late now. Bossman. You're not with us anymore, but go back in time. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay? Uh, Bubba, I, I know. Uh, God rest his soul. Yeah, uh, no, great trailer forever. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. He is one of the smoothest wrestlers you will see. He's excellent. Um, like, so God. And then, uh, I gotta say this, like, you know, he misses, you know, the, the splash. He goes to the outside, comes back in, and... uh. Jake starts working him over with those amazing punches. punches. They're so good. And then he gives, that is one of the best short arm clotheslines I've it's really ever good. fucking seen. Because yep. uh, he, boss man, like, almost does the entire inside out flip. But he's so big, like, he hits on his shoulder and he hits safe on his shoulder. But yep. it looks amazing seeing Jake just turn this man inside out. And yep. then uh, one thing that was cool is like, you know, before Jake had the DDT, uh, he used the running knee lift as his uh, finisher. And mm -hmm. he would set up for the uh, DDT sometimes with the running knee lift. And I was like, you know, he motioned for the knee lift because he, you know, would slap his leg and... I knew it from a kid. I was like, ooh, the running knee lift. And whenever he goes to do it, Bossman steps aside like fucking Samoa Joe. <laughs> and Jake just plows into the turnbuckle. And I was like, oh, that's awesome as fuck. Yeah, it was very good. Um, and then very shortly thereafter, 
it's I wouldn't say it's out of nowhere, but he plants him with the DDT wins. Uh, pull a, a, a clean win from Jake the Snake Roberts. I was pleased. Yeah. And then uh, he pulls out Damien, uh, kind of puts Damien on him. The crowd goes crazy because they love Damien. He walks off with Damien very tightly coiled around his hand. Coiled around his arm. Which, and like... he threatens somebody in the crowd with it, but he's got like the head held, so it's yeah, not going to yeah. do anything. But the person the crowd's like, oh, you know, obviously. Oh, amazing. Beautiful fucking match. Like <laughs> I originally gave it two stars, but I've upgraded it to two and a half. Mm-hmm. Only mm-hmm. because, only because, uh, I love Jake's offense, but nine of the ten minutes was was him being worked over. Uh, and, you know, it's just, I don't think it needed to be that long. I think if it was, like, three less minutes, I would have absolutely loved it. But it was still really good. Um, um, see, for yeah. me, Bossman filled the time in so good with his looks and, like, spitting and yelling at the crowd, What you want, asshole? <laughs> it was funny. It was just, like, it It wasn't, like, I, I felt he got heel heat. Heel, heel heat. It's just... Eight minutes straight of heel heat with no comeback until the very end is a lot, especially with Jake. Because, I mean, if this was a real WWE show, they'd never do this anyway. But I feel it would make Jake look, I guess it would put Bossman over kind of strong, but it would make Jake look kind of weak. And that I just don't see people take that much uninterrupted heat segments. Uh, but I still enjoyed it. And it's fun to watch, especially if you want to watch these guys actually have a match and have a clean finish, because God knows you ain't going to see it anywhere else. Yeah, it's a Um, fucking novelty factor. And I mean, you know, I I gave this three and a half Frankies. Uh, I didn't really originally want to do half Frankies because then it's Mm -hmm. like kind of a nightmare. Like, is it the top half of Frankie or the lower? Or do you like split right down the middle? Ooh, (laughs) you know, you you get like the cell style, Uh, but you you know, King Solomon situation (laughs) trying to split up the Frankies when the two Coco Beware's came to King Solomon. (laughs) Um, yeah, right. three and a half. I really liked it. Yeah, it was not bad. Next up would be the IWGP Tag Team Title Match between Masa Saito and Shinya Hashimoto Oops. and Masahiro Chono and Riki Choshu, which we are not allowed to watch because we're filthy gaijins and they didn't put it on the tape. Which I, I will say this, uh, Masahiro Chono, uh, amazing. And, Legend. Um, uh, God, uh, was... Was the last person you said? Fuck, fuck, fuck. Ricky Choshu. Ricky Choshu. Ricky Choshu is extremely good. Uh, I've seen him wrestle Ric Flair several times. Uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrestles like Steamboat. Ooh. Now, that match, just for the or record. Or Steamboat because, wrestles like him, it's hard to tell. <laughs> just for the record, because I'm reading the card off Wikipedia. The, se- uh, the, the encyclopedia, anyone can edit. Uh, the seventh match says dark, which is hilarious to me. The seventh match in the middle of a show is a dark match. Uh, and Masa Saito and Shinya Hashimoto, the champions, defeated them in 13 minutes. So I'm sure it was very good. We cannot watch it. However, I will not complain too much because the next match was oh, Shombo oh. Saruta and King Haku versus Mr. Perfect and Rick Martel. Now, My God. <laughs> so many things about this. First of all, Haku 
should have just been Haku, but they still called him King Haku. I respect the hell out of that. And this is on the same pay-per-view with King Randy Savage. How awesome is that? They still call him King Haku. He lived the gimmick. It didn't matter. Amazing. Jumbo Saruta in the Steve Austin gear. He looks like Dan Spivey meets Steve Austin, except he's Japanese. I was like, this dude looks fucking cool. I hope he beats the shit out of somebody. King Haku, very over in Japan. Yep. What a surprise. Uh, yeah, have you uh, ever seen Jumbo Saruta before? Uh, no. Nope, so Jumbo Saruta at this time is, you know, a very established star. Mm-hmm. And he is like kind of nearing the twilight of his career. And he is one of those like torch bearers that is going to pass on the torch to the four pillars. So okay. Jumbo Saruta is an extremely important figure because he is, you know, kind of nearing the end of it. He can still go. Don't get me wrong. And he goes for a yeah, long time. Um, but, you know, he is absolutely established and is one of the people who is instrumental in making sure that, you know, Misawa, Kawada, Kenta, uh, you know, and everyone like kind of gets everything that they need to, you know, become the future. I always forget who the fourth pillar was. Uh, ta- it's like Tawe, I think is how you say it. There's Tawe the, Misawa. He is the Kabashi. only one that I am not familiar with. Uh, he's on Akira um, Tawe. Yeah, Akira Tawe. Yeah, he's on some of the other ones we were we were looking at watching. So we will find out shortly. Yeah. Uh, if if our listeners continue to listen. Uh, but uh, spoiler alert: I had never seen Jumbo Saruta, mm-hmm. but. I have definitely seen Haku. I have absolutely seen Mr. Perfect, especially 1990 era Mr. Perfect. And, and Rick Martel. Rick Martel. He is blown up. I love Rick Martel. I always did. So I always will. Dude is so underrated. Uh, and in this match, I have great senton and dropkick. I don't even know who this was because I didn't notate it down. I think it was Haku. Because who else does a senton? I don't think it's anybody but Haku. Uh, yeah, he does the somersault senton. He misses, oof. but it looks amazing. Haku has a reputation. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, he has the reputation I'm not even really talking about. But he also, among people who don't care about Haku, because there are people out there who don't care about Haku. I'm I'm calling you out. Eat Those shit. people say... <laughs> Yeah, they can fuck off, but I'm just saying those people, their argument is always, ah, you know, he hits people, he does strikes, he he oh. doesn't have much. This dude's doing a senton in the fucking ring. I'm like, oh my god, like... No, he's, he's also doing... doing, doing nobody was doing. He's also point. doing thrust kicks, uh, you know, pre, you know, pre, like... pre Sean Michaels. Yeah, pre yeah, Sean yeah. Michaels, uh, you know, the actual thrust kick. Like, he does a lot. I mean, if you're going to lay that same, like, thing, uh, other wrestlers, like, you have to to do the, like, you know, I I would wonder if the same people who are bagging on Ming, like, love Snooka whenever Snooka had two things. He only ever did two things. He'd whip you to the rope and do the... You know, karate move, karate chop move, and then he had his splash. And the splash. That was fucking yeah. it. Or I was gonna say, like, look, I love the Rock, and I was a huge Rock Mark, but 
Haku in the ring, I'd put him above The Rock probably for technical oh, yeah. stuff and and style. Like I I love The Rock and it but it's he got by by style and charisma and rightfully so. But Haku just Well, also another thing is under- uh Haku uh Mang whatever you want to call him um mm-hmm. is like just a shoot nice guy. Yes. Um, which is like rare in wrestling. Um, he was one of the few people who like, if he saw a younger wrestler, like being hazed and, (laughs) you know, like having a rough time, if he was able to, like, there were several wrestlers where he like protected them just because, you know, oh, he's Meng's boy. You leave him alone, (laughs) you know? And like, one of the funniest things, uh, and kind of sweet in its own weird combat sports way, is mm. uh, if you watch late era Ming in uh, WCW, he had uh, uh, his finisher, the Tongan Death Grip. Are you familiar yes. with that move? Yes. One, I love it. It's great. It's amazing. And two, you can do it to anyone. And so, like, yeah, well, they'll Hawk- die. Because it's a death grip, but yes. It is a death grip. It is um, a death grip. Uh, Someone was asking him in an interview that I saw years and years ago, and they were mm-hmm. like, you know, why did you, you know, choose this? Is this, because uh, it was like a half kayfabe interview, and, you know, why did you choose this? Is this from, like, your martial arts background? And he was like, well, sort of. And he kind of breaks character, and he's like, look, I, I, I'm very stiff, brother. Okay, I know that, and... I think that it's a good thing for the boys in the back after they have a match with me to like have something nice to kind of finish it off. And so Aww. I chose the lightest move possible that way. Cause he used to do a power bomb, you know? Oh, no. And yeah. he was like, you know one, I was getting older and two, like no one really wants to take the power bomb. And so I did that and they just get to like slowly lay we'll down that later. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I, I've always thought that that was very cute and nice of Ming to be like, I'm giving the boys a break, brother. Yeah, Undertaker gets the the unwarranted reputation as like the guy backstage who who runs everything so that everything fuck comes off. out. I mean, he's had his few moments, but like, fuck that dude. Uh, like Ming, much more deserved. Now, the match. Yeah. Um. Uh, Martel and his repeat dropped dropping elbows. He does these fucking elbows to the ground over and over and over. I'm like, oh my gosh! And then he does a fucking standing hurricane rana. Not once that looked, but amazing. Twice <laughs> I was like, yo, Rick Martel, excuse me. And okay, so now I'm thinking I, I gotta look this up. I'm pretty sure Strike Force was Martel and Santana. And if that's the case, oh, uh, it was fucking. Yeah, Tito Santana and Rick Martel. Why did they ever break these dudes up? Uh, oh my God. Rick wanted to do uh, individual stuff because uh, it was shortly hereafter that he was doing the Rick the Model Martel. He, I mean, I love the. I love the model to death. I love both of the. I love both guys, but I'm just saying they should have got back together at some point or something. Cause it's fucking incredible. Like I don't think they get enough due for what they were doing. So just saying. 
yeah. yeah. Rick Martel, amazing work. Amazing. Uh, quick uh, quiz. Do you remember what Rick the Model Martel's uh, fragrance was called? It was called, I believe it was called, I want to say elegance, but now I'm worried that that's wrong. It is not no, it's elegance. Some, it's something shittier than that. Hold on. Just tell me what it is, because I, I is, know what it is. But. It is arrogance. Arrogance. That's why I was I was so close. <laughs> I love the I, gimmick where he had that huge pesticide spray yeah, bottle filled with Yeah, he blinded it. Jake. Oh, yep. man, they had the blindfold match. I, I love all that stuff. Great. So, wonderful. So this match, amazing. Jumbo Saruta uh, is absolutely like kind of taking the back seat. And letting Haku do oh, most he's of the super work. Over, though. Oh People yeah, want to see him? Yeah, but that's the uh, thing. Like you keep him. They're so smart because you mm-hmm. keep him limited. That way, whenever he comes in, it's a big deal. And has to do less. Yeah. Ming looks like just a million dollars this entire time, mm-hmm. and uh, Mister Perfect is perfect. I mean, you cannot knock. I don't think there are like maybe a handful of his matches where you could actually go, yeah, that sucked. Like, yeah, consistently usually, good to towards great. the end of his towards the end of his career when that was happening, his back was completely fucked. So it's mm-hmm. not even really he was still worked better than he should have been at that point. The spot that made me really go wild was uh, when you know Ming had been being worked over by uh, Perfect and Martel, and they were kind of building to Ming getting to the hot tag, and uh, Martel goes for the second Huracan, is standing Huracan Rana, which mm-hmm. Ming is six foot three. Jesus Christ, that's stand. <laughs> yeah. And Ming does the alley-oop to Martel yep. in the turnbuckle, and Martel takes it like he's dying. Yep. And then, you know, Ming just makes his way over and tags Saruta and that fucking pop. Yeah, I, I have one note before that, which is Martel did an eye rake. And yeah. everybody in the crowd was like, you, f- oh my <laughs> God, you fucking asshole. They were so mad at an mm-hmm. eye rake. These days, and I love, I, I love that kind of heel shit, but these days, like the Young Bucks do an eye rake and everybody goes, oh, boo, man. You know, it's it's like, eh, but or if, you know, you do the eye poke, that's always funny. And it was always pretty much that way. But this guy did an eye rake. Everybody got so mad. They were so mad. And then, yes, I have what a hot tag to Saruta wins with the high knee. He, he was. Oh, that knee was beautiful. <sighs> the crowd flipped. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, the Japanese tag team well, I guess Haku isn't Japanese, but you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they were the hometown boys, the faces to go over. Yeah, Ma- Ming stars. had been wrestling in uh, Japan for quite a while uh, at this yeah. point. So it, it would I be had like it, just yeah. a few years later where um, uh, Chris Jericho would like, you know, kind of pal around with uh, Ming in Japan. Yeah. But yeah. Four stars, I, amazing. I had to give it four stars because nobody, like, there there wasn't anything bad about it. It was uh, 1053, 
um, and there wasn't anything bad, and you got to see guys work in ways they never get to work uh, yeah. in incredibly cool ways, and the right people went over. So literally, there's not much bad to say about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, four Frankies for me because four Frankies. Uh, it's lots of Frankies. It's so good. <laughs> like, yeah. you know the the tagged Jumbo Saruta and like that's that's a send your crowd home happy match right there. Yeah, and like it had amazing spots that you didn't expect. Like I had no idea that Rick the Model Martel could like just do a standing Huracan Rana. I had and it no looked clue. like a dream. He did the Haku, right? Uh, yeah. So Haku knows how to take a her a standing hurricane rana. He does just does yeah. the front fly. It was I was like, God damn, okay. No, Haku can fucking work. Then we have <laughs> King Randy Savage with Sensational Sherry versus Genichiro Tenryu. Mm-hmm. This was King Savage, so this was before WrestleMania 7 when he split with Sherry and he fought Warrior and all that business and got back with Liz and all that mess, so he's still a heel. Uh, I was just going to say two things to note is, one, we got a little transition before this with uh, Hogan standing standing (laughs) on chairs doing these tiny little push-ups like he's... yep. Like He's he had just out, watched Bloodsport or something and saw Jean-Claude Van Damme on the chairs and was like, whoa, I gotta steal that, brother. I am almost 100% positive that is exactly what happened. Yeah. Or he was, and probably some mixture of cocaine in there, but... Uh, <laughs> let me, let me tell you something, dude. <laughs> Alright, that Jean-Claude Van Damme... <laughs> he got into Savage's stash, but uh, I also have... That Tenryu's music is hilarious because uh, oh, it God. was it was very funny. Um, so right at the beginning, Sherry won't leave the ring, and she's like shaking her head emphatically, just shaking her head no. back and forth. And one of no. her earrings just flies oh, off while she's shaking her head. I Sherry, I, okay, promo strictly promo wise, we were like in a vacuum. I don't like Sherry all that much. I think she's really it's kind of Vicky territory where like, look, I love Vicky to death. But if she's just cutting a promo in a vacuum, I'm not a huge fan. It's it's kind of screechy and and it's it's like or it's like it's like a road warrior promo. Like it's funny and goofy, but like it's it doesn't do much for me. Now, the thing is though, character wise, incredible. One of the all time amazing like she just I honestly think she made half of this match. Oh, yeah. All she did was run around the outside screaming. Um, I have it noted. Sherry kicks Tenryu behind the ref's back three times for amazing heat. The third time, I think it's with her shoe, and she puts the shoe back on, and she just politely waves at the ref. She looks at the ref and goes, Yeah. Hi. No, she Hello. is smiling because the ref looking. is looking at her and she is smiling <laughs> and she's putting them on. Sherry <laughs> Martell is one of the best in the fucking business. It was incredible. I was like, she's so good. Um, like, you know, that's uh, Rick Martell's sister, right? Yeah. It's the Martell. It's in the blood, I guess. They are amazing. Um Yeah. Um, yeah, like she, the, the way she interacts and does everything, like she is, she has the lost art of the valet. I mean, yes, 
she she is doing things on the outside that is like annoying to the person while still mm-hmm. getting heat to the person inside, you know, macho man, like everyone's getting just matter and matter because like nothing she's doing is going to end the match, you know, unless no. she like loads up her purse with a brick, uh, which she will do. Um, yes. you know, and she's on the outside just being like, you know, get him. No, I can't believe Macho's being hurt. Real shades of the bunny. Yeah. Just, ah, and this is yeah, yeah, no, the bunny has been watching Sherry Martell. Period. I believe it. Um, and she's <laughs> doing great. And also like the thing is that everyone, uh, forgets is Sherry Martell was a wrestler, you know, beforehand yeah. and she was very good. She's like, not bad she at all. Was no, she's way good. ahead of her time. Yeah. Another thing about this match is, uh, you know, uh, Genichiro Tenryu. Uh, he, much like Jumbo Saruta, is one of those people that is in the twilight of his career, and is man. Uh, you wouldn't think it watching this match. No, you would no. not think it. Like he, he still goes on to wrestle for a good long time. You know, I. It, you know, I'm yeah. I'm not saying that these people are like, you know, going to be out of the picture or anything, but they are passing the torch. And mm-hmm. like whenever I saw this, like I said, I didn't look at the match card. Uh so mm-hmm. I heard, you know, the Macho King's music and I said, Oh, oh pa a little bit bump in circumstance, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Yeah, dig it. <laughs> Oh, and then yep. we got the Ginichiro Tenryu. <laughs> I would love to hear that promo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've seen Tenryu. Amazing. Uh, what a worker. Never saw him before this match. So there was also a point for Sherry's for Sherry's sake where I don't remember what was happening near the commentator desk. I think she got fuddled up over there. I don't know if they were going to try to use the table or something. But the commentator st- the commentator stands up and starts yelling at Sherry. <laughs> like, fuck you, get away. And I was just like, oh my god, it was incredible. Sherry Sherry's will like, beat your ass. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> there was a very good pop for Tenry laying in the corner. Sh- oh, just He did like the Eddie thing where he just does that fucking laying in the chops and I was just like, oh man, love that spot. Not enough people do that, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And fucking Macho Man, like, took it like a champion. Yeah. And Macho's um, one of those people that combines character work and work rate in such a way yes. that, like, it's, I can see, it's hard to keep up because the camera, did you notice at the beginning of the match? Yeah. The cameraman had a hard time keeping up with Macho. Yeah. Because he's just all over the place. And actually, that's kind of, it's not really a note, but what I the, my feeling for this match was there were a lot of shenanigans for the first half, um, mm-hmm. which but like the way yeah the way Macho does things is he works while doing shenanigans. It's it's kind of like Dusty Dusty did the same thing, uh, or Flair Flair does that kind of stuff, but Flair also can just work like it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, Savage can, but this was more he's, he, the crowd was hot, so they just worked the crowd. And did outside stuff. They go back in. They blindside each other. Whatever. However, after all the shenanigans, I have gorgeous elbow from Savage and Tenryu all caps kicks out. I was kicks not expecting it. Out. <laughs> I went. Oh, I'm sorry. He's because I, I was like, this is a WWE show, right? Or WWE? Like I'm like he. I was just expecting the pin and the match was over. 
dude kicks out. So then I'm like, oh, okay. Tenryu goes for the power bomb. I didn't know if it was a power bomb because I don't know Tenryu. But I was like, mm-hmm. I think he, he does a power bomb. He goes for it. It's countered into a backdrop. Savage goes up top again. So I'm like, okay, he's going to hit the elbow drop again. He hits a really pretty splash. So I'm like, that's two top rope moves. And then Tenryu fucking wins with the safest, lightest power bomb I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. He put him up and Savage like almost rolls backwards and just plants his back. Savage. His arms to the side. I was like, dude, like, he just put him down. Just set him down. Well, and Savage nearly broke his fucking shoulders. Really? Yeah, so... I'm shocked at that. Well, the thing is, whenever you take a... Uh, this is how unused to, like, that style Power of bumps. moves that Savage is... Because Savage puts his arms out like he's yes. taking a different bump, and he lands with uh, Sav- Savage lands with his like elbows perpendicular oh. to his body, and you see him hit on his elbows, and then he howls in pain for a second Ooh. and flings his arms out because he should have been had like a flat wingspan you know set okay and so he nearly broke his shoulders because uh i haven't seen it but like whenever some you know i was training in wrestling someone talked about like whenever you take a power bomb you have to take flat wingspan bump otherwise you he didn't get he didn't get the full sit up either and he didn't really stay up like he did that thing where he gets like three quarters of the way up and then because of that he falls down very quickly so i think if he didn't put his arms out he might have like fell on his neck or something so it looked safe on the thing was tenryu i think what happened was well tenryu was protecting him the whole time like macho was scared to take the bump that's what it looked it looked like Macho didn't get up enough, so Tenryu was like, okay, buddy, I'm just setting you down. I'm not slamming you. I'm just putting you down. But the problem was is he put his arms out to try to save himself, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, it didn't look... I didn't read it that way. I just read it as, wow, Tenryu really, really protected the fuck out of him because he's mm-hmm. Randy Savage, but I guess it didn't matter. Uh, and then he fucking pinned him. Yep. <laughs> pinned he macho man clean king macho man randy savage clean as a sheet in the middle of the ring i was like oh my god that rules and i'm sure it was macho's call a hundred percent yeah but yeah because otherwise he wouldn't have been there <laughs> but i gave it four and a quarter stars i as far as macho matches go, this is up there. Seeing it's it's so funny because when I think of great macho matches, ironically the great ones are when he loses. <laughs> this is one of the better ones because he didn't do twenty elbow drops or whatever the fuck he did yeah. against Warrior. Oh, but good Lord. just seeing him kick out was like, oh my god, I can't believe it. And then seeing him get pinned was like even more. What the fuck? And all the Shelly work, uh, Sherry work was amazing. I guess it was a lot of shenanigans, but I did not hate any of it, the shenanigans. It's a complete package, though. Like, that yeah. is an act that has its, uh, you know, shit together and is in a, a mm-hmm. complete and, like, sealed for freshness, like, form. Like, 
Whenever you open that act up, you hear the jar, you know, lid pop, you know, pop, and you know it's fresh. You know it's fresh. So yeah, uh, I mean, for this one, like, it's amazing and wild, and there's not a moment where I'm going, okay, where's the action? There is always something happening. I think you should go out of your way to watch this. This is four stars, baby. Four Frankies. Yeah. Agreed. So, for the WWE Championship, (laughs) WWF Championship, I'm sorry, WWE, nobody says that. It's the champion, Uh the ultimate warrior, Uh versus Ted DiBiase. Now, when we talk about people that it's almost fucking impossible to see them have a match, Ted DiBiase is way up there. Love the dude to death. Amazing character. Amazing promos. He never fucking had matches. Ever. Yeah, it's very <laughs> the, rare. The dude. And if if he did, they were four minutes. They were double count outs. They were yep. brawl, brawl to the back. Brawl, brawl to the back. Brawl to the back. Brawl and they the were brack. they were angles. The dude did not. And that is not. I am not calling out Ted DiBiase. The dude was a worker and mm-hmm. he worked. But the problem is, is we talked earlier about people who cared about their spot. I am pretty positive Big Ted cared a whole shitload about his spot to the point that he would rather not do anything and have a fake belt that's not real than actually put anybody over. Yeah. Sorry, Ted. And and the only I'm we, not spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> spoilers. I think you know who won this match. Uh, but. I think the only reason somebody went over in this match is because it was in fucking Japan on a match nobody would ever see except us. So, yes. Uh, I am glad this mentality has gone the way of the fucking dinosaur in wrestling. Yeah, come on. Like, if there's one thing AEW has proven, or even like Ring of Honor and stuff like that, is you can have big, quote-unquote, big names lose and it mean more than them just winning all the time like you know at the very beginning of AEW like when Kenny Omega lost to Pac I mean Mm -hmm. that was like a big deal Pac can beat Kenny Omega (laughs) and you know like Private Party beat the Young Bucks and it's like oh okay well they're not invincible. All right. Right. And this match would have meant a lot if it happened on a fucking WWF paper. Jesus Christ, I know. Especially if it was title for title, it wouldn't Especially, have Especially, like, cementing the newly crowned, like, passing of the torch warrior. Warrior like, went over Hogan, for Christ's sake. Like, it would have been so important if he beat Ted after that. But... Who yeah. did he go on a feud with? You know, and and God bless Rude for what he did, but he was not a main event guy at that time. I love Rick Rude to death, but he wasn't. Ted was because he never fucking put anybody over. So it would have been amazing, but it, you know. So, but luckily, we went out of our way to watch an All Japan at New Japan <laughs> show and see it happen. To finally um, see the good parts of the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of, speaking of, the minute this match comes on, 
I, I'm not going to lie. I have more from uh-huh. written down from the commentators than I do about the match. I do too. Thank and that was were- exactly where I was going. <laughs> I was right on the same page. Speaking of WWF, the minute the match starts, Vince and Jesse are on commentary. Woo-hoo! It's the million yen man. <laughs> and immediately he says, McMahon, how many yen is the belt worth? And fucking Vince dumbass Vince from 1990 goes I have no idea thanks it's the million dollar yen man yeah yes. yeah I guess huh yes. how much is that belt and worth in yen McMahon I have no idea yes and McMahon yes and it's called improv uh, I can't do my Jesse Venture impression but come on now. McMahon we're the aliens uh, Diviasi's backdrop, excellent. That's the next note I have. Mm. Then I have Virgil can't be here, and Vince says he doesn't get involved with international politics. Do you Here's- not, Vince? Do you not? <laughs> stares in Saudi Arabian. What a fucker! I was instantly like, "Oh man, I gotta clip this and put it somewhere." You fuckhead! Oh and, my, uh, it's even funnier. God. It's even well, funnier Jesse. next to Jesse. God, yeah. Well, well so Jesse, funny. I don't get involved in international politics. You nearly caused an international incident in the fucking airport of uh, that place. Give it, hey, give it another month. There might be another one. But God damn. just to say, the funniest thing to me about... I mean, not the funniest thing, because there's a lot of funny things about Vince. But one of the funnier things... Is that Vince is a commentator, is a dumb baby faced man. And uh, that is so much less believable than fucking heel Vince. Because you just know that that is Vince is more like fucking higher power late 90s shithead Vince than he is. Whoa, my God, what a maneuver! I can't. What that a is not maneuver. him. That is so phony. He doesn't give a shit about wrestling. What he likes is chewing people out and firing them. He likes that is him. And this is not him. <laughs> and it's really funny, though, because the minute he says, I don't I don't know. I don't get involved. It's like, you're so full of shit. You're so mm-hmm. full of shit, Vince McMahon. Fuck you. Next note. A Chris Cross. Oh, my God. Please oh, yeah. bring this back. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. And nobody does it anymore. There's a shoulder block reversal where he just like grabs him and throws him face first into the mat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's like the uh, old uh, counter that uh, Chris, Chris Redacted would use. Oh, right. Well, well, you know, friend of the show, Chris Redacted. Yeah, friend uh, of the show. Uh, <laughs> we're going to break out our Ouija board oh, and you talk mean, to him next week. You mean Uncle, Uncle Chris. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, the next note I have is every kickout by Warrior is a power kickout. I kind of like that as a gimmick. Like mm-hmm. every time he kicks out, he just throws him up in the air. Uh, until like the third one, in which which he's like, eh, it's at like two and something. So it like he he slows down during the match, and it's like okay, he's wearing him down. I don't have much else. DiBiase does the the. The punch. I love that punch. The fucking stand and fall down. I don't know who else does yeah. that. Uh, it's great, though. And you you might have more... I do have the ending commentary, but if you have more 
more commentary comments, feel free, because this was fucking ridiculous. The one uh, that got me was yes. <laughs> Jesse being like, well, he can't use dollars, McMahon. How many yen would it take for him to win the win this match over here in Japan? Silence. Complete silence. fucking silence fucking for like Vince. 20 seconds. And then... And then, real quick, uh, something that was interesting was, like, I uh, I don't care for uh-huh. this match too terrible much because, you know, no. whatever, but the crowd, for whatever reason, was, like, really into it. They were they doing, like, a, a hee-yah chant. Like, every, anytime mm-hmm. something would happen, they would be like, hee-yah, hee-yah, hee-yah. The strikes. Yeah. yeah, anytime there was a strike or like a knock into the corner or anything, like a boot, they'd they'd go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like uh it was like originally when I first saw it, because it was Ted. It was all Ted because fucking Warrior takes half the match because he doesn't know what he's doing. But Ted would like hit a strike or a chop or something, and they go, Yeah. And I thought it was I thought originally, because I'm a nerd, I thought it was yeah, which is no. I thought they were doing, and then I'm like, there's no way they're saying no every time. And then I got it. It's probably just like he ah like martial arts, and they're just yeah. doing it every time. And I was like, that's, but they were, yeah, they did it for like the first half of the match for like everything. Yeah. It wasn't like, just chops. They were, it was, they were super into it. Yeah. They love Warrior. Yeah. But Warrior retains with a splash to the back. Lame. And then the commentary. It was lame, but the commentary. Fucking Jesse. You know why they? Why do they call it the egg doll, McMahon? Fucking well, it's shaped like an egg. Pause. Pause. And DiBiase just laid an egg, Jesse. It was so <laughs> long. It was like seven seconds uninterrupted of nut. He sounded like an idiot, and oh. then he just hit him with it. It was incredible. Now. Oh. I know for a fact I have this rated higher than you do because I love Ted, but I was a super warrior mark. And as far if I'm grading on a curve, okay, for listeners and viewers, I am grading on a curve. Warrior matches get so much worse than this. So much worse. This is like if you wanted to put together a collection of great warrior matches, this is on that collection. I gave it two and a quarter stars. And that's generous, so hey, it's yeah, still not great. wow, you're being really generous here. Uh, Ted did all the work. I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't like, watch anything. Or gas. <laughs> like, I think this is very funny to hear Vince McMahon and uh, Jesse Ventura. But honestly, they are very funny all the time together. You don't and, need to watch this to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's interesting. The the million dollar yen man. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, huh? How much is that belt worth in yen, McMahon? I have no idea. And so, yeah, this is this is a single Frankie. Like this is a. You do not need to watch this. This is not <laughs> worth your time. I was happy. I mean, I think much of it was me being so satisfied with DiBiase putting somebody over clean for fuck's sake. I mean, that's uh, the thing. Like, I, I do <laughs> think that it is great seeing DiBiase work in the wild. 
Um, yes, yeah. But I think that if you scour hard enough, you can still find, like, you could find better examples of this match. Yeah. If so. only I could watch, like, Misawa go clean over Jim Duggan, you know? Jesus After Christ. After 10 minutes. That dude has never gone over clean in his life. Anyway. <laughs> That was the match. Uh, the next match, a non-title tag team match between Andre the Giant and Giant Baba versus Demolition, the champions. Woof. Demolition with their awesome fucking theme that was not censored on the legal version I procured. <laughs> <laughs> and it's incredible. There's is there an amazing theme a interview. Jim Johnson theme, or do they use... Uh, no, I think that's I think that's why the rights are so difficult. Like any any version you find of a demolition match with WWF, they dub it every single time. Uh, not to mention, even if it was, there's no way Jim Johnston has it because demolition fucking hate WWF and they hate them. They'll never be in the Hall of Fame because of all the lawsuit business. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's pretty rare you get to hear it at all and there's an amazing interview with baba before the match where every question he goes so desne which is uh japanese for that basically that's right uh he just says yeah over and over <laughs> it's, it's like an andre the giant interview where he's like ah you know do you think you'll win your match yeah <laughs> yeah that's right over and over and over and then he just goes out uh, I don't have a lot of notes here because I, well, no. for one, I don't think there was that much notable, but also, um, I'm going to be frank. Uh, I'll be honest. Bert. Yes. Thank you. I don't, I did not know much about Giant Bob. Here's what I knew about Giant uh-huh. Bob before this match. Yeah. I know he is beloved in Japan. Yep. I know he's big. Mm-hmm. I know he looks like shit, but he does great move. He He does interesting things yeah like better than you would expect and that is pretty much exactly what i got in this match he i i I noted i can't tell if baba is no selling or just does not sell and i'm pretty sure it's the latter he gets hit and he does not move and it's not like the crowd goes oh my god and he stands up and he no he just gets hit doesn't do anything yeah so Giant Baba, like we've talked about before, is he is absolutely in the twilight of his career. Like he is in the winter of his career. Yeah, wasn't he working the seventies and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is yeah. very old at this point, and he also, to my knowledge, had gigantism that was untreated. Yes. Um, and mm. so he has this giant torso and these skinny arms and legs yes. because moving around is very difficult for him. Uh, at this point in time, he is also the owner of All Japan. Oh, yeah. Wow. So he is still working and he essentially, to my knowledge, uh, it might be different i don't think he was like you know putting himself over all the time but billing himself as an attraction but he does mm-hmm. not have long left in the ring i want to say he retires in just a few years i could be very much wrong gotcha. but like you know he's an absolute legend uh his earlier work is amazing and revolutionary in many ways um but this is much like andre 
It was hard to watch knowing the amount of pain that both of these men were in mm-hmm. and seeing Andre work in the way he did where if he took a bump, it was against the ropes and he'd slowly lower himself down and then he'd yep. just like work the match down there. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say pretty much the exact same story with Andre. Now, the thing I will say, uh, first of all, and also, yes, his arms. Looking at Baba's oh, arms was like, God. dude, that's like you. I, I'm I'm waiting for them to like fly bad. off like a crash test. Dummies. Yes. Yeah. Now, the thing I will say, because I've seen some Twilight era. I've seen Andre matches years before this that looked like worse. Yeah. So I got the impression that both guys were at a higher work rate than they really should have been. Like Andre did two dropping elbows in this match. Yeah. And I was like, that dude doesn't need to be taking any bumps. I don't care what bumps they are. Just don't take them. And like Andre did a lot. I I honestly thought Andre was carrying Baba. And I was like, dude, Andre shouldn't be carrying anybody. That dude shouldn't even be in the ring, probably. Demolition did nothing, which is fine. This was like a sideshow. Yeah, like, the thing is, this doesn't cement, like, I love Demolition as a kid. I don't remember much about their work rate. I do remember their finisher, which was cool as hell. Uh, They weren't bad. Like, do you know their finisher? Uh, the, it's like the Demolition Destruction or something like that. Is that what it's called? Like, um, uh, the guy with the slick back, uh, black hair would do a backbreaker and hold them, you know, in that that position. Then, you know, they do, uh, Barry Darsaw do an elbow drop. Looks amazing. Yeah. But like, yeah, this is one of those matches where like, they were just trying to get through it. And so I don't think anyone can be blamed for it being as weird as it was like, you know, cause yeah. I mean, at one point Andre was on the ground and just mm-hmm. grabbed one of them by the throat and did an alligator death roll over to yes. Baba to get a tag. Yeah. It was, and Baba like slowly comes in. Yeah. It's called the demolition decapitation. Oh, wow. That's what it's called. <laughs> it is a very great move, but this match, oh, was not good. Um, Baba hit a very wide missing boot, <laughs> and Andre won with yep. the elbow drop. Yeah, I gave yep. it one star. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like attraction matches, you could still probably do better. Go watch like any Andre's earlier stuff from the eighties, or probably any of Baba's. Stuff. I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it's better than this. Uh, God, so yeah, Baba's poor it. arms and legs. He looked rough. Uh, he looked happy to be there. Yeah, like but that doesn't mean he should have worked. Like I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> he he is in better shape than you would think. Uh, yes, but better kind of Kali vibes with smaller arms. Oh, but better but, yeah. shape in the fact of this man should be tooling around an office, like. He right. would look good in a tailored suit tooling around the All Japan Pro Wrestling office and booking matches. That's where yeah. he needs to be. He does not need to be in that ring. Jesus Christ. 100%. And yeah. so, yeah, like on this one, it is just a hard watch. I gave it 
one one Frankie. Like, okay, don't we watch agree. it. Okay, and then we have the main event. Wild. It's Stan Hansen versus Hulk Hogan for no title, as far as I know. There's nothing. Uh, well, if you caught it at the very beginning, did you catch the ring announcer or someone? Someone called him the WWF champion. Really? Yeah. That's fucked. Yeah. No, it was uh, Lord Alfred Hayes. Yeah. Uh, because it was Lord Alfred God Hayes it, and uh, Hayes. That, that guy. Sean um, They were like, the champion, the immortal one, Hulk Hogan. They called him the champion. I missed the champion, but I, I caught the immortal one. I actually, I, I have Sean oh, Mooney and Alfred Hayes the immortal commentary. One? They only Apparently, said it 19 the fucking one. times. Yeah. I, well, the reason I have it, I have Sean Mooney and Alfred Hayes commentary. Then I have apparently Hogan is the immortal one because I literally have never heard him called this. Is that a thing? Do people call? Oh him? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, during the that time, uh, because it was uh, you know the during the Hogan and Warrior thing, they were calling him you know the immortal Hulk Hogan, the immortal one Hulk Hogan, Fuck and it off. started kind of them. Yeah, my thing with Hogan was, I mean. I'm sure it's a lot of people's thing with Hogan, but the dude was already going over all the time and like securing a spot all the time. It's bad enough that he's like running roughshod all over everybody, but it's also the fact that all the fucking people in charge blew smoke up his ass for so long. Uh Like even at like WrestleMania eight or whatever, McMahon's like, that's two years after this McMahon's doing sit down interviews with him where he's like, well, Hope you don't retire, cause all your little Hulksters would miss. Like, fuck off, man! That's like so long ago. Like, get over it, dude. Like, nobody cares. And and yeah, like, I I I don't mind the Hulk Hogan character as like a a goofy say your prayers, eat, eat your vitamins, do your homework. You know, you you can be strong like me, brother. Look, and I, that's fine. It's, I it's a pastiche, you know. So you like, know the the thing is, I grew up in this era, and I watched wrestling. Um, you know, like I'm uh was a Hulk Hogan mark through and through. I watched it yeah. for Hulk Hogan, and I got exposed to a lot of other stuff. Loved it. Watched his Nickelodeon movie. That if anyone remembers mm. of like his. 30 minute auto uh 30 minute like video biography of him being a fat little kid like and growing up to be the goddamn hulkster and so yeah i fed into it that sounds amazing yeah yeah no it was great it was amazing like i started exercising as a kid because i was like well i want to be like hulk hogan fully fed into it um and so, like, Hulk Hogan is one of those people where if he was just a dickhead and, you know, I could, like, separate it out and be like, well, you know, never meet your heroes. I still love the ideas that his character brought to me and stuff. But every time I find a bit of news about Hulk Hogan, he just is the most dog shit fucking person and i feel so goddamn betrayed (laughs) (laughs) well okay so you know what it reminds me of like the immortal the immortal one business it reminds me of like the women's revolution fucking nonsense (sighs) those women those women fucking deserve 
to actually be like on the forefront of wrestling and and they deserved to to they they really did change a lot of things but the fact that like WWE blowing smoke up everybody's ass does not make it better it makes no. it way worse let them organically get their nicknames let them organically be the four horsewomen or whatever let people organically get behind them but you have to be like they're legends because they're revolutionaries and then you try to insert that in it just doesn't work people push back against us like we didn't say that you did fuck you and it's the same with hogan like around and this is around yeah this is really... whenever yeah the the fucking leaves were falling off the vine for a lot of the older wrestling fans I know, mean, I this was is a kid. the Sergeant Slaughter era, so people yeah, are starting I was, to. I was come nine. Yeah. I was nine, so yeah. I was like, oh, "Okay, like I love this hook, line, and sinker." I still yeah. thought that they were fighting for real, for God's sake, right? right. Um, <laughs> but like yeah. the older fans and stuff, like I'd see teenagers and stuff with like. Hulk Hogan suck shirts. And I'm like, how dare you? I can't believe that you would mar the name of Hulk Hogan like that. I can't believe the WWF sold Hulk Hogan suck shirts. That's insane. <laughs> you probably had to pay a lot of money for him. Uh, but the well, how else slaughter- will they know your, your displeasure at their product if you don't buy their product? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is like slaughter around this. That's why you buy like Nexus shirts and stuff. Uh, I hate WWE so much. But uh, slaughter around this point, nobody gave a shit about slaughter. And it was so transparently pandering. Like nobody went to that WrestleMania. It fucking did dog shit numbers. And then the next year, you know, WrestleMania 8, everybody's fucking booing Hogan. And they had to like change all the narratives, like, uh, you know, with Sid and all that, with Royal Rumble, actually. Yeah. It was before WrestleMania. So, like, the, people were really starting to turn around on it. And I know. Now, <laughs> fucking Alfred Hayes. I, you know, it was, I always have this happen when I listen to Alfred Hayes. Okay. I start, I, Alfred Hayes comes on commentary. And I start out and I'm like, this is kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting having a guy that sounds like he's narrating like like a, a nature documentary where there's <laughs> like ah the lion comes into the he comes onto the pride uh, and he takes out the gazelle. We're seeing a wild know? suplex <laughs> in the Serengeti today. Ah, if you look over out. to the left, you can see an exploder suplex. It's it's poor <laughs> it's new cousin. So it starts out like that, and I'm like, this is kind of it's stupid, but it's entertaining. And then always what happens? Alfred Hayes starts saying dumb shit that I hate. And then I'm like, this guy is such a clown. He they go to the outside. Oh, the, I the know. Japanese. You- Mooney, the Japanese love this street brawl. Like that's so into uh, I can't even do the accent. It's like, oh yeah, the Japanese, the the noted crazy ECW mark Japanese love it when people go to the outside and whip each other with belts and tables and shit. They love that. No, the 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 line from Alfred Hayes that I just absolutely like started clawing my eyes out was like, Hogan is a master of all forms of combat in or outside (laughs) of that roped arena. That's what he said. What? He's, oh, oh, is he now? Really? Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, a master of all forms of combat in or outside of that roped arena. The thing what is was, this though, fucking blood sport? <laughs> it was the worst, though, because 
It was the worst. Hold on. Hold on. I think that Hogan and Lord Alfred Hayes watched Bloodsport together. They definitely did. You're (laughs) onto something. No, hold on. To... Honestly, I would love to be in that room watching Bloodsport with Hulk Hogan. Oh, do you think they fast forward to just to the fights? God damn it. Never mind. Now you ruin that. See, Alfred Hayes ruins everything. (laughs) (laughs) He's not even like it really does. You give him the benefit of doubt. Any honestly, any segment with Alfred Hayes, I think there's the segment where he goes and he goes to get an interview with Warrior. You ever seen this? Probably. He goes to get an interview with Warrior backstage and Warrior's got this fucking paper cut out with drawn with crayon warrior mask on his dressing room so you know it's where he looks like shit and warrior's like i'm trying i mean alfred Hayes is like i'm trying to get an interview with the ultimate warrior but he's not answering the door i'm going to attempt to open the door and see if i can see ultimate war and he fucking he opens this dude's door and tries peeking in oh. and the door just he's like hello ultimate warrior hello and the door just slams shut and he goes, well, oh, the nerve. And I'm like, you fucker, you opened his ass. Jesus. <laughs> he ruins everything. He's just such an ass. And I don't think he's supposed to be healed. Anyway. No, every time I hear is- Lord Alfred Hayes, I, I just <laughs> imagine that he is like colonizing Indochina. He is. That Well, that's, that's what he's doing here. He's, the, he's bringing the immortal one Hulk Hogan into the wild so he can manifest destiny, everything. But Jesus. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's so bad that at one point, Lord <laughs> Alfred Hayes, this is his word, you can't get mad at me. He says, um, ah, over here in the Orient. Oh, yeah. This is where he pulls the Orient out. He's like, ah, the Orient. I'm a cultured person. So, so okay. yeah, after watching Bloodsport together, Hogan and Alfred Hayes go out to this match. <laughs> Alfred Hayes says that Hogan is the fucking champion still, despite we just saw the Ultimate Warrior. He has the belt. Hogan has nothing. Yeah, okay. okay. The other thing. You mentioned that he says like he's a master of all forms. The worst possible time to say that, because without Alfred Hayes, I'm watching this match like, oh, shit. Hogan's doing like chops and stuff. Yeah, Hogan actually came to work. I know. I'm like, oh shit, Hogan's working. And I'm like, I'm kind of myself organically. I'm going, oh, I get to watch Hulk Hogan have an actual wrestling match. And then fucking Alfred Hayes, he's a master of all forms of combat. The immortal one. I'm like, fuck off. I'm trying to watch you fucker. Like you're making it worse. Anyway, Stan Hansen. Man Stanson. Man Stanson. All I know about Man Stanson, okay, Ooh. is I know he's awesome, and I also know he later on he had the the chew gimmick that was really disgusting, and that was when he was like a gimmick. But like back in this point, he was awesome. Now my question is, if you know anything about this, mm-hmm. how over is he in Japan? Because honestly, he came out. And the crowd did not pop as hard as they did in Hogan, in my estimation. Yeah. It seemed like they loved Hogan. And yeah, Hansen uh, was Stan, good, but like they weren't they weren't like going crazy for Stan. He wasn't their guy. He was just the guy who was fighting Hulk Hogan, who was kinda over. It wasn't like 
it wasn't a fucking that's our Japanese Stan Hansen. He's gonna whip Hulk Hogan's ass, right? No, the 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 commentators. Yes. This proved that they did not know anything about what was going on over there because exactly. Stan Hansen right now, uh, in this time period, is destroying um, all the Japanese guys, right? Yeah, Japanese mainstays. Like, I think he uh, defeated, uh, um, prior to this, uh, Richie, Ricky, uh, God, I can never remember his, Ricky Choshu. Um, yes, Richie, uh, yeah, you're right, Ricky Choshu. Yeah, Ricky Choshu. Uh, I think him and, uh, Choshu, uh, which Choshu is beloved, um, like, he beat him in just this wild-ass fucking brawl. Like, he, Stan Hansen is chewing through the entire fucking roster of All Japan and some in New Japan, mostly in All Japan. And, like, right. okay. you know, in six to eight months from now, we're going to be seeing, like, him and uh, uh, Misawa, like, going right. the fuck at it. And so okay. the crowd is like, yeah, this is a heel. This is a terrible heel, and we want to see Hulk Hogan defeat him. That was the exact impression I got and exactly what I thought was going on. And then immediately, fucking Alfred Hayes and Sean Mooney are like, ah, the Japanese crowd here are quiet because Hansen, their, their Japanese idol is losing to Mortal Hulk. I'm like... Uh, how like that doesn't seem at all like what's going on they're like they're cheering for hulk and stan is like getting the shit beat out of him and i mean it's not like everybody's rallying behind stan so he'll beat the wily hulk Hogan. like none of that's happening so yeah they, they just like i honestly Awful. probably should I, it was bad it was really bad commentary that was to it was just wwf narrative you can kind of I had imagined Vince was yelling in their ears the whole time. And it was like, ah, fuck off. Like, none of that shit's happening. There was a body slam through a ringside table Ooh. with absolutely no pageantry. The dude just, they didn't clear off the table. Nope. Uh, Hogan just brought Stan Hansen over to it, Man Hansen, and he just picked him up and he put him down on the table. Yep. Out no, no, like, look around. Uh, nope, nothing. did not give a shit, and noticed that uh, uh, Hogan did not take a similar bump. No, Stan... he did get color. Yeah, but it was bullshit. Yeah, but uh, come on, Hogan gets color every fucking fucking match. Every like, yeah, he goes to the Red Lobster and starts gigging. Okay, yes, Hogan they gets there and color. he's just like, <laughs> whenever he goes to Hulk up to pick out his lobster at the Red Lobster. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, I'm a you pointing at the Such lobster tank. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. That, you're getting Hulk Hogan over for me, and this is not a right, No, he doesn't deserve it. So, I mean, Hulk I want to see this stuff. Yeah, I mean, imagine the Red Lobster commercial in the alternate universe I'm pitching where Hogan big boots the Red Lobster door open, starts hulking up, and then just like, you, and points at the at God one of it. the lobsters in the tank. Oh, and then just, him with the big bib. Oh, sitting down? Oh, it'd be wonderful. Look, just don't start talking about, like, 
wild pegasus breaking crabs open <laughs> with fucking crippler cross faces. Okay, I can't do it. You're gonna get it over, and it's bad. Okay. Anyway, um, they both got color, and Sean Mooney. It's just different levels of incompetence on this show because, and I'm talking about the, the AJPW show. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, it's different levels of incompetence. No, you're fine. I'm just kidding. Uh, that um, Because Alfred Hayes says everything wrong all the time. And Sean Mooney, they both get colored. They're bleeding all over the place. And Sean Mooney goes, this is a very bloody affair with that tone. Oh like, my he's just fucking like, God. You fucker. They're, they're bleeding everywhere and killing each other. And you're like, ah, there's some blood in this match. Okay. Like, ah. it's like, god damn it, Sean Mooney. Ah, we're getting a little, uh, a little sanguine action in this uh, wrestling performance. I don't know if you have any other notes on the match. Um, uh, other than uh, them, you know, being racist. Uh, it's fucking, all commentary. I'm, the actual match. Yeah. Um, it is okay. Prior to the ending, very good because Stan hand it's like that. You can tell at the very beginning that Hogan doesn't quite know what to expect, and he's kind of taken aback for the first like two minutes as Hanson works him the fuck over. But yes. then, to Hogan's credit, he realizes what he has to do. And that is, he has to work or Hanson is going to kill him. And the thing is, like, Stan Hanson, you got to give that man all the credit because he said, no, you're working the style. I don't care Mm -hmm. what cushy shit you've done. Because believe it or not, Hulk Hogan could, at this time, work. He could work very well, actually. Yeah. Um, and also, and, if he's going over, he doesn't need to. Yeah, that's the thing. But Hanson yeah. one makes him work, which I really appreciate. The brawling is top notch, honestly. Like it's yeah. very good. Uh, the re- the flow is very good. I like it. Um, the thing up until the end, I'm very fucking mad <laughs> because. Okay. I don't know if you know, I mean, you probably know this just from the memes, but, you know, Stan Hansen's finisher is the Lariat. Yes. And you can hear the crowd anytime he reaches for his left arm pad. You know, that's the signal for the Lariat is coming. And you hear the, ooh. Yeah. And he goes to do it. Hogan ducks it. Cool, cool. That's fine. That's fine. Um, and then in the final moments, you know, Hogan ducks the, the Larry, the second Lariat attempt. And then Hogan gives Stan the Lariat and pins him with his own fucking move in Japan. I had a different finish, but it's not too far off. What I have is he won with the boot, but no leg drop, which he missed. He hit him with the big boot, but not the leg drop after. So did did the video for you start doing weird tracking? Yes, the video fucked okay. up. Okay. Yes. So no, here's what happened. <laughs> we have a problem with technical difficulties. We go on. Go on. Well, here's what happened because I went back and pieced it together through the replays and everything. Oh, okay. Uh Hogan ducks the Lariat. Uh, uh-huh. And he is against the ropes. Man Stanson uh-huh. uh comes at him and Hogan big boots him. But then uh-huh. Hogan lar- gives him the lariat, and that's how he wins. 
Yes. And right, Lord on. Alfred I have, Hayes. I have to make a change to my rating at this point. <laughs> Go ahead, though. Lord <laughs> Alfred Hayes fucked up the call and said he won with the big boot because he is a dumb fucking idiot. Well, that changes uh, what I rated this match, but go on. Yeah, and so... (laughs) That's awful. In Japan, Hulk Hogan goes over Stan Hansen. Okay, fine, I can see him beating Stan or whatever. But with the added fucking kayfabe insult of him using his move. Now, granted... yeah. No one was super protective of their moves back then, so I'm sure Stan Hansen, like, wouldn't even recall. Like, he probably doesn't give yeah. a shit. Um, but I'm mad on his behalf just because I know what a petty piece of crap uh, Hulk Hogan is. Hulk Hogan, yeah. And so, yeah, uh, mad. Very angry. There's one, there's one other note that I want to touch on. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan did not Hulk up in this match at any point. Did not. Did not he Hulk did not. up. And in my opinion... Made the match that's better. Worse. <laughs> oh, it's worse for me. Because oh. if he if he won hitting him with his own move af- like as a bullshit ending with the Hulk up, at least at least like that's his gimmick. Like he 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 gets more powerful and starts no selling, and then he's too powerful to overcome. You can't his move because he's Hulk Hogan, and he does whatever. That would at least be like okay, but he didn't even Hulk up. He just fucking he misses the leg drop. Which honestly, that was the only thing I bought on in the entire match. I was like, oh, because he missed the leg drop against Warrior, and that's how he lost. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, he missed the leg drop. Maybe he'll go for a pin. He won't win because I know he's. But it was the only time I thought maybe in the entire match. Then, no, he just got up, fucking did his move on him. Didn't Hulk up. Didn't. Didn't really sell missing the leg drop for more than fucking five seconds. Mm-hmm. It was just out of nowhere. He just won with the dude's move. I've seen some good reviews for this match, but. Uh, I gave it one and a quarter star. It was originally one and a half star. And it's not helped by the fact... Look, I love Stan Hansen. I love the Hogan work more than he usually does. But the ending sucked. Uh, the commentary was absolute hot garbage. Um, and I feel like... What I, what I felt like is, oh, Hogan's working. And so that's kind of a double-edged sword. Because they went... How long did they go? Uh, they went about 12 or 14 minutes, something like that. They went about 12 minutes, but most of it was Hogan beating up Hanson. It was a lot of Hanson taking the fucking piss. <laughs> and I'm glad I'm glad Hogan did chops and did got outside of his wheelhouse. The problem was it was mostly Hogan doing stuff. And I wanted to see two guys beat the shit out of each other and have a real fucking, like, crazy fight. And don't get me wrong, like, I guess in 1990, this might have been on the crazier side of things, because, I mean, the guy did a table bump, they got color, they brawled. But, like, I didn't get the sense that, like, Hanson was fighting for his life, Hogan was fighting for it. It felt foregone. Like, it was just like, yeah, Hogan's gonna win. Yeah. 
the stakes weren't there. So yeah, I went, I originally had a one and a half. I went to one and a quarter with the, with the Alfred Hayes and the ending that, that just fucks it even worse. So, yeah, I mean, like as an attraction <laughs> match, uh, I think it is very interesting and I think people should watch it, but I'll be goddamned if I'm giving it three Frankies. So I I'm mean, never going to watch it again, but yeah, yeah what, what'd no. you say? Uh, but yeah, it, it'll be two, two for me. Um, if you took out the commentary and it had no commentary, um, I think I might be able to give it like three stars, but that commentary like takes away so much and like there's so much going against this match because I could just look at it in a vacuum without the like aggrandizing um, Mm -hmm. commentary of like, oh, the immortal one where they're just sucking his dick the whole time. Yeah. And be like, okay, well, it's a Hogan match with a screwy finish because he's a piece of trash. And I could be I could just like put it to the side and be like, yeah, fine, whatever. The fact that it just felt like them pulling a big fucking joke on Stan Hansen, who has like worked very hard and in a serious manner to like bring Japanese professional wrestling like. You know, I won't necessarily say prestige and honor, but I mean, he takes his job seriously and is like doing Mm -hmm. everything he can to make the promotion well known and, you know, profitable. Yeah. Oddly enough, I think if it had no commentary, I might give it like two or two and a half. Mm -hmm. If it had Taz commentary, you know, five star classic. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) <laughs> look at this stiff man jones over here huh <laughs> yeah uh i would say like if you if you want to see hulk hogan actually work as an attraction type thing sure uh but it's not like you have to see it now it was i will was. say what you have to see is the very mm. end of the video because hulk oh. hogan goes to do his you know pose off like he always fucking does you know just green standing and hot dogging hot dogging. and um the tracking it, it, this is like a digital rip from a vhs and yeah, the tracking that. goes nuts and goes so the <laughs> screen is like shifting and shaking and superimposing like previous and later frames of the film it's All- like an art installation Yeah, all onto itself. And so seeing Hulk Hogan do a pose down is like surreal and eldritch. And like you get these weird frames of like Hogan's like single frames of like Hogan's giant face over his, you know, normal pose and everything. And it is very funny it's like an attitude era package for like armageddon or something. i need to like put a green filter and go like you think you're special <laughs> it's like it it'd be great just uh, one more <laughs> or pose. and we'll be and i will leave again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again. yeah this time <laughs> god damn it okay so that was uh that was the wrestling summit Overall, I I'd give the show like three and a half stars. Uh, 
Yeah. It, there's stuff like you should really watch on it. There's some other stuff that's like, eh, they did it. But yeah, overall, it's a good there's show. There's so much on here that is like so interesting. Uh, yeah. And like some of the matches are just extremely watchable and it's super cool. Like, you know, if I was to do like a rating, you know, for it, I mean, I would give it, uh, I mean, definitely like, you know, on the same level as like Bloodsport whenever you fast forward through all of the uh, talking <laughs> bits. Bring it a Bloodsport. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you I'm, hate the talking bits and Bloodsport so much? There's so no, much great I don't. dialogue. I don't. Oh, okay. It's lovely. It's great. It's just, uh, did you not hear about Donald Trump and his son oh, watching wow, Bloodsport? Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I, yeah, where I they totally fa- forgot about that. Do you think Joe Biden's watching it with Hunter and just they're just watching the talking bits and they cut out all the fights? Oh, no. Joe Biden is <laughs> not watching uh, Bloodsport with Hunter Biden. No. Joe Biden is making He's Hunter Biden... watching the Bi- clock and trying to figure out what it says. Yeah. <laughs> no, Joe Biden is making Hunter Biden watch old home videos of Bo Biden. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. well, how, many, how many Frankies did you give it? That's the question. Not Bloodsport, the show. Um, I would say this is like an extremely watchable show. So, I mean, three and yes. a half Frankies, honestly. It's like almost hey. go out of your way to watch it. We disagree on nothing so far. Yeah. But what is the best match of the show? God. It's it's time for the best match. The Wigged Pegasus match. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to run with that. Like, there's honestly some really good matches here that are, like, absolute... Mm, God. I would have to say, if I was going to go back and, like, only watch one match from this, I would definitely uh, do the uh, tag match with uh, mm-hmm. Jumbo Saruta and King Haku and versus mm-hmm. Mr. Perfect and Rick Martell. Like, yep. extremely watchable, completely legible. The storytelling is great. They do some wild stuff for the 90s, and it was just so fun. Like that was a mm-hmm. fun match. Uh yep. so what about you? What uh what match really stood out to you? I have that one as the second highest, and you should go out of your way to watch it. But Randy Savage versus Tenry just Oh yeah. Just muscles it out. Just barely. But you should really watch both. It's very uh, good. It's very it's good. Really good. And honestly, the first match was great. The Bret Hart match is good. Uh, I would actually, I think that's a great watch. It's long, but it's still good. Um, the the finish kind of fucky. Everything else, interesting. Mm-hmm. You don't need to see all the other stuff, but a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, a lot of enjoyable. If stuff. you had to like pick out a single wrestler that like really stood out to you, oh. who would it be? Oh. Like, someone that maybe surprised you, or, like, you know, you were just, like, really happy to see they did a great job, Honestly, you know? honestly, ooh, this is tough. Which member of Strike Force is it? <laughs> it's the battle of the, it's, it's the battle of Strike Force. That's funny, Ooh. because my MVP of the night is Tito fucking Santana. <laughs> you know, it's tough. You know what, I, I, I go for an underdog. Here's the thing, going in... I already loved Rick Martel to death. He's mm-hmm. one of the best baby faces of all time. I 
have always loved Rick Martel. Ne- there's never been a point in my time when in my life where I was like, I don't know about this Rick Martel guy. He's not working <laughs> for me. Now, Tito, uh, up until this show, I mean, I thought he was okay, but I definitely didn't like his promo work, and I never liked how he was booked. But on this show, he's MVP, 100%. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. He has to win. Uh, And I didn't even like the match as much as the other one, but he was really good. He he fucking dragged Snooka through a match. Yeah, that fucking dude. He, I mean, this is nineteen ninety. Snooka, like he stood on his own ground against Kenta Kobashi. Yeah, dude should have been bigger and should have had more going on. Oh yeah, I feel bad for him. And I mean, Masanobu Uh, uh, Fuchi, like. Wonderful. No slouch, yeah. Like, wow. He yeah. made that match uh into something highly watchable and very good. Like mm-hmm. kudos. Yeah. Awesome. A good time was had by all. Yeah. What do we want to watch next? Clearly. WrestleMania 18? <laughs> Is that the one with Chris Penwa? <laughs> <No, it's funny. laughs> oh, okay. We're just going for that. Well, all right. Uh, let's. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to watch uh, all of Chris Benoit's uh, matches. Oh, no. Where he gets we'll hit here. in the head very hard. You thought this was a long show. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, no. Um, so, I mean, my suggestions... If you want mine, unless you have, mm-hmm. do you have any suggestions? Uh, I do not have any right now. Uh, okay. I would like to, you know, watch some like strictly Japanese stuff and get familiar with those characters. Uh, if we yes. can figure something out, I would like to do that and also make a lateral move as well. So there are some AJPW classic. AJWPW Classic Collections, uh-huh. which are collections of Joshi matches. Ooh, okay. So it will not be a quote-unquote single show, like pay-per-view style. This was I don't think this was qualifies as a pay-per-view, what we watch, but it is a show. It is all on the same night yeah. with, you know, a card. This would be, here's this match from this month of 1990 and here's this one from this month and this month yeah i i would absolutely love to watch some uh joshi wrestling uh you know there are so many uh women from that time that like i've heard about or like know slightly of and i would love to get familiar with their work perfect and for the time being we're gonna stick to 1990 yeah so we'll just see what's happening on the other side of the coin and then we will slowly move on and see where it goes. We'll hey. get to watch the four pillars come into their own and all the stuff happen. And then we'll also get to watch what's happening in women's wrestling. Because I'll be honest, uh, I love women's wrestling. Mm-hmm. I always have. But being an American fan, Ooh. there were many periods where Slim through, no fault, through no fault of the women, uh, it was dog shit. And it was especially booked like dog shit. And the women were treated like shit or just had nothing to do. Um, So, thank God it's different now. But Joshi seems like, hey, 
there was a lot of stuff happening that you didn't know about, buddy, until you saw SummerSlam 94. So I'm excited <laughs> to see a lot of that. Um, so yeah, we'll do that next time. Cool. Until next time, I'm Bert. I'm Anthony. And it's the the winged pegasus special <laughs> <laughs> nothing but the winged pegasus <laughs> frankie that's frankie the... sing us off <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's the name of the thing just the winged pegasus oh <laughs>